Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Oh, hi, Dave Warnicky. Nice to meet you. I'm Matt Stewart. Oh, he already knew. That's right. I've looked at your resume and I'd like and, to offer you a job. Oh, thank you. I uh, won't let you down. Thank you. <laughs> Fuck. Well, no, it's no swearing at this, uh, this workplace, so you're out. No. Does that mean I'm in? You're in, Jess Perkins. Yeah. You were number two. I must say, I don't know why I brought both candidates in to show you, Jess, that Matt got the job. Yeah, that was mean. But I, it's actually worked out well for I, you. It's embarrassing, though, because I did start to torch the place. And so <laughs> yeah. there is a small fire just in that corner. Nothing, I will go. Nothing you can't take care of, I'm sure. Yeah, Are I'm you going to let that slide? I've got an elderly dog to look for. <laughs> well, you should get out there and look for it. <laughs> All right, well, I'll see you later. <laughs> To look for. It's not my dog. No, no. I just want to look at an elderly dog today. I woke yeah. up this morning and thought, God, I feel like looking at an just elderly having a little dog. Look. I need a location and an occupation. Dog looker. <laughs> okay. Um, you ignored the location there. <laughs> at the dog lookout. <laughs> oh, dog dog look shop. Out. Dog shop. Dog looker at the dog. Dog. dog oh, my God. And scene. <laughs> 
And that is how easy improv really is. Hey, I've had this cool idea, Dave, and also Jess. Thank you. Uh, for next month, October, right, I want to do a thing where every topic we do is a banger, kind of like the last three years. <laughs> uh-huh. But even more so, um, I want to make it, I want to call it Blockbuster Month. Okay. Okay. Or other working title, Blocktober Buster Month. I just like Blocktober. No. No, I like Blocktober Buster Month. Blocktober would be a month of episodes about Lego. And yeah. we've already done that. Been Jess. there, done Been that. Been there, done that. Thanks for nothing, Lego. You, you really should have saved that topic for Blocktober. <laughs> so the idea is going to be that um, I'm going to put out a poll on our social media this afternoon and it's going to ask what is – so all listeners can um, can – Click on this link and and let us know what's your favourite kind of topic. So it's going to be mystery or serial killers or celebrity biographies or cryptoids. Cryptoid, yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, like the Bigfoots and the Mothmans. Right. Yes, I also knew what a cryptoid was <laughs> immediately. I was so, like, ah, finally they mentioned cryptoids. <laughs> We've done a few cryptoids in the past. Yes, got, they've been I'm really aware. popular. Yes. We also did Loch Ness Monster. Uh, Loch Ness Monster, and I think there's one other, but I'm losing it right now. But so there, there'll be a list of probably fifteen or so different kinds of topics. And all you have to do is, as a listener is just uh, click this link and then select what your favourite kind of topic is. And then uh, next month uh, we'll pick the top three. Or we won't pick them. The, the top three that get the votes will pick us. And then we're going to put those topics um, to our Patreons. So say, for instance, Serial Killers comes up, we'll put a handful of Serial Killers to our Patreons and then they get to vote on that, bringing it down to one Single topic, and that that'll be say week one of Blockbuster Tober. Mm. Uh, it's well, not quite right, is no, it? No, but I appreciate that you're still trying. And then the last week, so before the last one, uh, will be our most requested ever topic, mm. uh, which I haven't figured out what it is yet. But I'm going to go back through the hat and find out what that is, uh, and we will finish. Block, finish with a banger. Block oh, bang Tober, bang banger, <laughs> bang Tober. No, that's not. Anyway, uh, check out our social media. So on Instagram, uh, it won't be on Instagram. You can't link there. It'll be on Twitter at DoGoOnPod and it'll be on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash DoGoOnPod. So go check that out and uh, I'll hopefully have that up shortly. And then, yeah, let us know what you think and we're going to have it. Bang, bangarang. Banktober. Bank, banktober. Because you can put these ideas in the bank. In the bank. The spank bank. <laughs> spank banktober. Okay, I'm going to go back to... Blocktober. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Cocktober. Okay. No. Cocktoberfest. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Dave, are you all right? Uh, there's no wrong ideas. No, there's yeah, some there are. are. That, is, some... that is a wrong idea. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, you're, you're wrong as... <laughs> Sorry. You're wrong AF. Yeah. Now, if Sorry I think... to go there, but Jess is 100% right. She's right AF. I'm right AF. Right AF over. There's <laughs> something wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I love puns, but I'm bad at them. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Dave came up out worse than me in that because it felt like. Yeah. You, oh, you were yeah, definitely he, losing until he went mate, to the Cocktober it, Fest. I just can't, I flew I just, home I, late. I can't compete with the pun king, Matt Stewart. Now, Stop trying to make that a thing. 
Well, yeah. stop being so bloody good at puns. <laughs> yeah, stop saying so good, mate. Stop saying so good, mate. <laughs> look, I told you, talking's not as easy as you make it look. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any also any update on our upcoming tour, Davy yeah. Boy? Uh, well, at the end of uh, <laughs> Cocktoberfest's working title, no! that'll take us to Blovember. <laughs> November, when we are hitting up and the UK. December. <laughs> oh, yeah. When we're hitting up the UK in November, and I'm very pleased to tell you that um, every single show is now sold out. Thank you so much, UK uh, people, except for our second Birmingham show, which confusingly enough is an, the night before the first Birmingham show, on Thursday, November <laughs> the 15th at 8 o'clock at the Glee Club. That's the only one with tickets. So if you want to get involved, make the trek to Birmingham, even if it's two doors down. Two doors? Yeah. There's also, I think... Uh, some tickets left for Melbourne, our Bon Voyage show. Yeah. Come say Bon if, Voyage. If you want to come say Bon Voyage, you If should. you want to contribute to the Snacks and Magnets Fund, <laughs> that's fine. This is the time to do it. We cleaned up. We, I say we. I'm distancing myself from this. Jess cleaned up big time in Sydney. She got. Did you get it? You got a couple of coins from countries we're not going to. Yeah, I love that. Well, I welcomed foreign currency. Mm. So I did, get, I did get some British pounds, which was very nice. Also got some Canadian dollars. Wow. So that's exciting. That's future. Well, hopefully. Yeah. Anyway, the way this show works is we talk about a topic or something like that and we get to that topic with a question. And this week, Dave is giving the topic or whatever. Okay, I'm doing the whatever and it's a long whatever. So let's get into it. That's what Dave's sex tape would be called. <laughs> the long whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anything goes. <laughs> no bad ideas. No bad ideas here. Nah, what's going then? Come on, guys. Let us know if you want to call it Cocktoberfest, all right? Blovember, <laughs> honestly. No, not bad. <laughs> all right, well, I've got a question to get us on to topic, uh, and that, of course, is the report. I'm going I'm going to give a report on this topic, and you two don't know what it is. So my question is, what disintegrated over the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Florida on January 28th, 1986? 86, a good year. Disintegrated. Mm. Atlantic Ocean. I'm taking over a good year, by the way. Very good year, 1986. It just doesn't sound the same from you. Damn it. it sounds kind of lame. <laughs> well, I think you're just hearing what L- we all Okay, heard. try again, try again. 1986, oh, a good year. Oh, yuck. I went from lame to repulsive. Yeah. <laughs> all right, 1986. What, what disintegrated? I don't know, I wasn't alive. I was. A mothman? Or... It's not a mothman. This is a... Was it a cryptoid? No, it's not a cryptoid. Is it a plane? Similar to a plane, this is a big disaster. A helicopter. Big disaster was the it 80s. a gyroplane? Was no. it a. Well, you've already done a blimp one, so I don't know what else there could it's be. It's another big disaster. <gasps> was it a spaceship? It is a spaceship of sorts. In 1986, disintegrating over the, the Atlantic UFO? Ocean. Was, you know, Jess looks like she's about to get this. Is it. No, I don't, though. Is it Roswell? Is it an Apollo something? It's not an Apollo thing, but it is a it's NASA a thing. NASA. It is the Space Shuttle Sputnik. <laughs> Challenger. Challenger. Have you heard of the, the yes. Challenger Space Shuttle? Oh, is this a sad topic, Dave? Well, yes. <laughs> but it's an extremely interesting one. I'd like to thank uh, the suggester of this topic, Megan Rife. Uh, and this was also voted for by our Patreon supporters. There were three topics up for that. And um, Megan, they chose your topic. I'd also like to give a shout out to Will Manley, who suggested the topic of space shuttles in general. Okay. And I like to think I give a pretty good overview of all of it in the report. So hopefully this satisfies you too, Will. He suggested space shuttles in general. Yeah. Wow. And he said, when everyone looks at thinks about them, they think that's pretty cool. But when you look into them, there's a few more problems. 
Wow. And I'm going to talk about one very big problem. Oh, interesting. Is Maybe. it like an ethical problem or like a philosophical one? Actually, probably both. Wow. wow. Okay. Uh, do you guys know anything about the Challenger? I know how to spell it. Nice one. <laughs> C-H-A-L-L-E-N-G-7-8. Do you want to tell him? Correct. Yay. Yay, Maddie. It's hard to tell someone that they're great. It is hard. It's hard to hear every day. I'm jealous of how great you are. And so you should be. Hmm. And also to you. And so to you. Okay, Dave, bring down the moon. Here we go. (laughs) Bring down the moon. That was their mission. Oh. Really? I don't think that's true. That's not true. We heart moon. Mm. Us on Earth. Yeah. Earth, heart, moon. If the <laughs> moonlings are listening, we want them to know that we come in peace. We do it very, very quietly. It's also the um, tagline for... <laughs> oh, no, hang on. It's also the tagline for Cocktoberfest, I'll tell you very much. We come in peace. All right. This is no good. <laughs> All right, now let me... Uh, this bit's for you, Will. The uh, history of the shuttle program early on. Now, during the 1950s, as the space race was heating up, Reasonable shuttle-like space planes were increasingly viewed as the United States' answer to being able to further explore space over their Soviet enemies. The idea was popularized by the so-called von Braun paradigm, named after famous German rocket scientist and engineer... Greg Vern- Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> Werner von Greg Dixon. I mean... He came up with a name so fast. <laughs> Good job. I love the low bar that has been <laughs> permanently set for Jess, for me, in Jess's mind. <laughs> oh, he said a couple of words. <laughs> oh. And there were actual words this time. <laughs> Daesh. <laughs> uh, so Werner von Braun is basically the godfather of rocket ships, and very early on he laid out the steps of how the United States could dominate space. And by godfather of rocket ships, he is a mobster. That's right. He is a uh, Marlon Brando when he's wow. old. But still winning hot Oscars. <laughs> still winning hot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so according to the paradigm, space exploration should follow these steps. It's sort of like a, a how-to plan that he wrote out. He said, first of all, to put a human in space, this is what you've got to do. Develop a reusable spacecraft, making access to space cheaper and easier. Use this vehicle to build a space station. Then inhabit the space station and employ it as a base from which to launch manned expeditions to the moon and later Mars. Simple. Okay. That was his plan. NASA basically used this as their blueprint and went to work. But then the Soviets got both the first satellite, Sputnik. Thank you. And the first person, Yuri Gagarin, into space. So they decided to skip a few steps and instead focus on putting a person on the moon, which I did an early report on. Episode 7 was all about Apollo 11 and the moon landing. Episode 7. I know. It's a long time ago now, isn't it? If you'd asked me if we'd done the moon landing on the podcast, I'd go, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Episode 7. This is episode 100 and what? 51. 51. Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't remember. It, it sounded like you were surprised that it was so long ago, but it turns out you were just surprised. Yeah, I just yeah. forgot Seven. it. Seven. Seven. It we... happened at all. <laughs> <laughs> I also talked about Werner von Braun, aka Greg Dixon, on that episode as well. Yeah, obviously, I remember his yeah. name well. Greggy Dix invented the electric shaver and discovered penicillin. Yeah, suggests they all discovered penicillin. Yeah, it's a team effort in a way. Didn't we all discover yeah. penicillin? I know yes. I did. 
Hmm? Big time. Hmm? It's, it's your it claim every, to fame. Every morning, I rediscover penicillin wow. in myself. Wow. Where are you yeah. putting it? Are you all right? I'm very sick. Oh. <laughs> so as we all know, the moon landing was a success in 1969, but then after that, NASA needed a new direction. 1969. Nice. <laughs> 1969. <laughs> uh, President Richard Nixon had established a space task group to help determine NASA's next phase. In September of that year, the group delivered its report, which recommended going back to the Von Braun paradigm, which, remember, is build a reusable shuttle, create a space station, from there do several trips to the moon, and then basically then go to Mars. Nixon didn't like it. So okay. basically he asked for a report. They gave it to him and he went, I don't like that. That costs way too much money. Right. And NASA had just had their budget slashed. In 1966, when they were gunning for the moon, NASA's budget was 4.4% of the entire budget for the United States of America. Wow. So billions and billions of dollars. But uh, by the early 70s, they no longer had this kind of money being thrown at them. Hmm. So it was decided that NASA would focus on one standalone element of the paradigm, and that is reusable space shuttles. These shuttles wouldn't go exploring into space, but rather go into orbit around the Earth and could help build space stations and repair stuff and take up satellites and other things that went into orbit. So President Richard Nixon officially announced the existence of the Space Shuttle Program in January 1972. A good year. See, it sounds so stupid from him, doesn't it? No, but it's really just you're pretty much putting your catchphrase up into the public domain if you're not going to use it. Matt, it's just trying to... I'm not going to just throw it around willy-nilly. All right, well, I've got a few more dates coming up, so you've got a few chances. Okay. I'll show you how it's done. (laughs) NASA got to work designing and producing these shuttles. The first shuttle made its maiden flight in 1977. Pause. Nothing. Okay. A good year. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It was originally planned to be named Constitution because it was unveiled on Constitution Day, September 17th, 1976. No good. Next, what else they got? Well, (laughs) instead, they got a massive letter campaign from fans of Star Trek. Oh, my God. They convinced the White House and President Gerald Ford to name the the shuttle the Enterprise after the ship on Star Trek. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's got tens of thousands of letters. And I guess wanting to go for the popular vote, he went, Constitution sucks. Let's just call it the Enterprise. Constitution is a a dud name. Too many letters. Enterprise, nice and snappy. Nice short word. What is that, three, four letters? I like it. Enterprise, three syllables. Three. Constitution, four. four. Fuck Ugh. off. Had a nap in the middle. How many was it? Oh, too many S's. <laughs> That's too. at least four letters. Mm. No good. So the the nerds named it uh, Enterprise, <laughs> which I love. Gerald Ford's no nerd. Haven't you seen him on The Simpsons? He's Homer. Do you like Do you like beer? Not beer? Do you like nachos? <laughs> Would you like to come over to my place, watch the game, and have beer? And nachos. He's cool. You and I are going to get on just fine. Am I remembering that right at all? That's absolutely right. Great. Uh, Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry and some of the show's cast attended the uh, The Enterpri- G-Rod. The G-Rod. They attended the Enterprise's debut. Or Grod. Debut. It was, it was on Debut. <laughs> uh, the Enterprise itself was never intended to go into space. Instead, it was a prototype and essentially it was an unpowered glider. So they uh, just attached it to a modified Boeing 747 and towed it around. <laughs> so if you, got to, yeah, if you got to fly that one, I suppose the nerds were probably like, we probably should have saved Enterprise for the next one that actually goes to space. Mm. Damn. Oh, well. 
Too bad, nerds. Well, the next one was Columbia. Hmm. That was good. Something like that. Don't know. Oh, that was the first uh, spaceworthy orbiter, and it made its inaugural flight in 1981. It's the 90s. I mean, the 80s. 1981. Hmm. It's, it's, it's That's happening. A good year. Oh. Did St Kilda lose some sort of football match in that yeah, year? Yeah, 80s were horrible for the Saints. Oh, really? Yeah, real bad time. I mean, wh- apart from that one glorious year in the 60s, has there ever been any other good period? Yeah, but uh, the problem is our good, our next best periods have been still losing periods, mm. but pretty close. Like our next best period is probably the start of this decade or end of last decade when we had two grand finals, two losing grand finals. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh, was it both? Doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, oh, hit a nerve. <laughs> oh, sorry. Ooh, our room just got real icy. <laughs> Matt's crying. <laughs> the boys. <laughs> oh, it's tragic. I wish I cared about anything that much. Anything. Give me something. Me? Facts. Oh, facts. Jess, sorry. Wow. <laughs> Nah, fair. Choose facts over Jess. I mean, yeah, okay. We all choose facts over Jess. (laughs) It's a fact of life, which I like. (laughs) Uh, The next shuttle that flew was the one that we're going to talk about today: the Challenger. I I like the Challenger. Yeah, Challenger. Yeah, underdog. I like writing that into the name. Yeah. Uh, Now all of this took me a sec to get it. I was like, huh? Others would be like going, "Let's call ourselves the best ever or the champ, the victory." Yeah. The Challenger, like that. I love that. Yeah. They called it the underdog. Yeah, they haven't. Let's have a crack. <laughs> they have a crack. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> they have a crack. <laughs> have a crack at space. It's fine. <laughs> uh, all of the space shuttles uh, were named after influential ships of science and exploration. Challenger was named after the British naval research vessel, the HMS Challenger, that sailed around the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean during the 1870s. And Challenger was the second operational shuttle, and it made its first flight on April 4th, 1983. Mm, a good year. Fuck. You do it so much that better. Was that so was so good. good. See? Oh, my God. It that... felt so natural. I even nearly moved on before I remembered. Hang on. Exactly. Oh. Jess of old. And Matt did a whole build-up. He said, well, and like he lifted <laughs> out of his chair. Like he was going for a mark. Yeah, Something that's on, a killer often try but fail. <laughs> <laughs> Too many up. Something they did every, all year. Yeah. Who's down? Who's roving? Stay down. One of you stay down in case it spills. Anyway. They're all jumping. <laughs> every player, even if they're 50 metres away from the ball, they jump. That's, that was pretty close. Yeah, they're a team. Yeah, beautiful. They do things as a team. We could do a little bit more of that, to be honest. Yeah, let's all jump for the same line next time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think anyone actually gave a shit about the shuttles? Yes. No. By, by the mid 1980s. Maybe? By the mid 1980s, <laughs> the American general public had really lost interest in No, space. then. No. I, my answer is no. Did I win? We could call next month Shuttle Cocktober. <laughs> That's good. Eh? We do all episodes about badminton. <laughs> Four of the big badminton <laughs> champs. Ooh, nominate name your, one. Nominate your top three badminton players. <laughs> Ugh, how, Greg, do I, how do I choose? Greg Dixon sounds like a badminton <laughs> yeah. player. Uh, he would, he'd be in there for sure. Simon Badminton Connell. That's a, that is about as niche as you'll ever get. He was a he was a journeyman footballer in the nineties called Simon Minton Connell. Oh. Oh. oh boy! Can you edit that out, please? No. And leave that in in oh. all its mess. Oh, we'll be turning the volume up on that bit just so <laughs> it stands out. In fact, could you just replay it a few times? <laughs> if just anyone listening it. understood that, please tweet me and say I'm okay. 
Otherwise, I may not go on. <laughs> oh. Do go as in do go on. Oh, I see. Then go Next on. Week's yeah. Well, I made a reference like that last week in our 150th episode in front of a, a room full of hundreds of people, and uh, I heard it not be understood by <laughs> that many people. So that's brutal. What was that? I made a reference to Matt talked about the New World Order (NWO), and I oh, said oh, yeah. I remember them from the the wrestling in the 1990s. No, so. I reckon. I reckon there was one percent of the crowd who got that. <laughs> three people. Yeah, thank you so much to the, those three people. They didn't laugh, but um, they got it. Yeah, they went hmm, very good. Yeah, they did that that um, that sort of exhale laugh, like a. <laughs> no, that's too much. They oh, got a high. It's so just like a. Bit <laughs> you know? a bit of nose action. I mean, it could have been someone just sniffing. <laughs> that's how silent it was. I heard someone sniffing in the back right corner of the venue. <laughs> anyway, by the 1980s, the American general public had lost interest in space, and this this actually is. This um, plot line is mirrored on the episode of The Simpsons, if you recognise this. They decided that they would recapture the interest of the nation by sending the first private citizen into space. Right. Remember on The the Simpsons where they put Barney and Homer battle it out and then yeah. Homer goes into space? Oh, I remember Because Barney eating. has a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, it begins. <laughs> I remember Homer eating chips in space, yes. Oh, it's a blue Danube. Beautiful, beautiful scene. Uh, so... Th- to capture the attention of the general public, they decided to launch the Teacher in Space pro- space, space Project. Yep. Just doesn't really like teachers I'm getting from that. <laughs> oh, I've had some bad experiences with those people. Yeah. Haven't we all? No. And many good. Res- Only had good teachers. Respect the profession. Oh, I, respect the- I come from a family of teachers. Me too. It's hard work. Me Bloody three. Work. Yeah. I got a lot. Look at us all. We shunned the teaching profession and instead started podcasting. I mean, in a way, are we not tooting right now? (laughs) Tooting? Yeah, tooting. Tooting, son. Tooting. Tooting. All right, that's six Simpsons references early. All right, well, there's a few more coming. Uh, The Teacher in Space Project or the TISP. Ooh, don't like that. (laughs) Oh, neither do I. TISP. TISP is a NASA program announced by President Ronald Reagan in 1984. So started by Nixon, went to Gerald Ford, now on to Reagan. So Ro Ray. the presidents are really handballing this to Was each other. Was he ever called Ro Ray? Not that I've heard, but if I like not, it. If not, why not? Ron Ray? I like it. Similar, but not as good. Mm, I, like, I like both. <laughs> what about Ronald Reagan? Was mm. he referred to as that? Several times. Ah, sucked in, man. I win. So uh, Ro Ray, Ron Ray. Not playing favourites. <laughs> announced the TISP in 1984, and it was designed to inspire students, honour teachers, and spur interest in mathematics, science, and space exploration. The project would carry teachers into space as payload specialists, which is just a fancy term for non-astronaut civilians. Payload. Payload specialist. So when a, a shuttle like goes into space, what they're carrying up is called the payload. So it might be a satellite or whatever. Whatever's right. in whatever's in the trunk mm-hmm. is the payload. Right. Uh, Do shuttles have trunks? Well, they got a bit that opens up. They got a little boot. It's a, quite a big boot. That is cute. Cute boot. I had to fit a rug in my tiny car the other day, and uh, it fit. <laughs> a rug. Yeah. That is a story and a half. Quite a long rug. <laughs> thanks very much. Yeah. I was like, oh boy, I have a small car. Put the seats down. No bloody problem. <laughs> anyway, so I get it. How have you saved that anecdote for 25 minutes in? Yeah, I'm humble. <laughs> Were you calling it your payload? Obviously. Because when they say drop your payload, like, I always thought it meant like a bomb, but it means just whatever you're holding. I thought it meant poop. 
<laughs> drop your payload. <laughs> Gotta go drop a payload. Oh, <laughs> who's yelling good. that at you? <laughs> Matt hates it. Who's, yell- who's telling people to drop their payloads, Matt, that you've seen? Uh, in the cinemas. Um, I watched uh, like, uh, Mission, in, the recent oh. Mission Impossible. They use the term payload. In a film, not just somebody saying that in a cinema. <laughs> yes. Mm. As they walk in there eating popcorn. So I dropped my payload on the weekend. Matt's in, eavesdropping. Mm-hmm. He's very rude. He always eavesdrops. Anyway. He drops Eve. The plan of the test was that these ast- non-astronaut civilians would go into space. They would return to their classrooms to share their experience with their students, inspiring the nation. NASA wanted to find a, quote, ordinary person. A gifted teacher who could communicate with students whilst in orbit. Okay, ordinary or gifted? Because I'm getting mixed messages. That's yeah. the same. But it's the same press release. Badly written. Roro, what are you doing? So just a normal, everyday person. With extreme gifts. Yeah. <laughs> extreme. So like He's like, can we somewhat put extreme in red? Yeah. Is that too hard to do? Make that bold it's and a, size color, fourteen. It's a colour flyer. I think it should be. Whatever you say, Mr. President. God, it'd be good to be the president. I imagine. It? A lot of pressure. That'd be real fun. Except I don't like the Oval Office because I hate ovals. It's kind of like a circle that fucked up. Yeah. Give me a circle office. Yeah, I reckon, I mean, as president, you'll be able to change that. Do you reckon? You yeah. can redecorate anything you like. Yeah. Mm. They always do that. It's You're not... all powerful, I believe. That's true. But I don't think Australians can be Oh, that'd be right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Fuck. Sorry. It is brutal to find out this way. Yeah. If I can be honest. Mm, can I can, be Yeah, you can be. Can I be the president of this podcast? And snack capped it at the oh, same I'm time. I'm so sorry. In the constitution it says no Jesses. What? That's <laughs> so specific. I oh, know. What are the chances? There's only three of us. Yeah. And my name's Jess. Right. Which yeah. is only an incredibly popular name. Yeah. From the eighties to nineties. Which so is when I was born. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, this is such a devastating day. Yeah. But Oh wow. I can't be the president. Yeah. You I also I mean you you helped write the constitution. Well, you really shouldn't have put your name on it. You know I was hungry when we were doing that. I wasn't paying attention. I know, there was no snack jug back then. Yeah, snacks. All right. Dave, carry on. I'm just gonna sit here and be depressed for a bit. So the search was on to find an ordinary but gifted person. More than 40,000 applications were mailed to interested teachers, while 11,000 teachers sent completed applications to NASA. So 29,000 of them said, yeah, give me the pamphlet, and then never bothered filling it out. Nah, Nah. space. Nah. Mm. I'm just going to go down to Florida instead. I don't know that I would fill it out. I'd be too scared. I'd fill it out. I don't want to go to space. That's in that kind of scenario. Go. I'll fill it out. If they ask me, I'll think about it then. Right. Yeah. Because you can always pull out later. Well. No, you've committed now. You're going to space. Yeah. Even though they've got hundreds of people that want to go, they somehow pick the person that's like, please don't make me go. Please. (laughs) Sounds like the start of a great '80s movie. (laughs) Here we go. Strap him in. Uh, Each application included a potential lesson that would be taught from space whilst on the space shuttle. The applications were sorted and then sent to various state departments of education who were then responsible for narrowing down their applicants to a final set of two each. Uh, these applicants were notified of their selections and were garnered together for further selection processes before they were whittled down to 10 grand finalists. Ooh. These were then trained for a time at NASA and in 1985, NASA selected Krista McAuliffe to be the first teacher in space. Krista. A backup teacher, Barbara Morgan, was also chosen. Okay. 
Back so up they much like the Homer to her barney. Right. They narrowed it down to ten and then picked one. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, and then and the second one as a backup. Yes. So Krista McAuliffe is the one that's been chosen. NASA hoped that sending a teacher into space would increase public interest in the space shuttle program and also demonstrate to the world the reliability of spaceflight at a time when the agency was under continuous pressure to find financial support. Really, this mission was designed to resurrect the entire program and prove that the shuttle could become a routine bus-like service to space. Okay. So they're like... Even an ordinary person can do this. This is the future. But bus-like, so what? Uh, inconsistent and unreliable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Take that, PTV. Overpriced and smelly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> w- waving at the drivers of other Oh, no, I love that bit. Oh, I love when it's kids so wave. It's cute. No, I like it when the bus drivers wave to each oh. other. It's so cute. No, I thought you were talking about the passengers. What I about would when never talk about the passengers? <laughs> what about when people on motorbikes wave to each other? That's cute. They should do a little nod. Like, a little yeah. nod. It's fun. I drive the same vehicle as like, you. Boop. Hello. We should do that more often. I reckon there should be more, so, uh, like a solidarity yeah, between. I wave at every car I see. <laughs> it's very tiring. <laughs> really get away. Most had, people look at you like you've had. Is there something on my face? Many accidents. Yeah, because I do both hands. My hands are barely on the wheel. Wow, Dave, that's, you are not driving in the UK. Matt, can we? Yeah. I'll, I'll be in charge of waving in the UK. And I'm in charge of snacks, so I guess Matt's got to Snack drive. captain, driver, and waving captain. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you can Hello. Be, you can be driving captain. Do you like okay, that? Okay, yeah. Like that? Captain of Could the I drivers. be driving vice captain? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Junior vice captain. <laughs> you can be whatever you want to be. Do you reckon the teacher is the one, if you if no. you're trying to get the... Surely it's like NFL player or <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like sure. you know like like Madonna or something. Send like eighties Donald Trump up there, you know, someone obviously not modern day Donald Trump. <laughs> it would have been a logistical nightmare to get him back <laughs> twenty years in time before sending him up again. And plus, he's president now; he's busy. Well, I would have got someone from the eighties, number one, which they did do. George Michael. Entirely agree with them so far that they got a present day person, but. I would have just gone for someone with a little more razzle and or dazzle. How about this? Okay. Daryl Strawberry. Oh. From the, that episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. Jesus. Baseballer. Yeah. That No, Jesus was my suggestion. Oh, oh how about Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. I reckon that would have got a lot of press. That would have got the press interested yeah. for sure. Jesus is second coming and the first going yeah. to space. <laughs> He's obviously he's gone before, but this is his first time going to space. He's okay, folks. <laughs> well, Matt, it's funny you should say that the teacher won't capture the attention of the nation, but sending a teacher into space turned out to be a great PR move for NASA and led the Challenger to be the most anticipated space mission since the Apollo era and the moon landing 17 years earlier. It got the people talking. Great. Uh, Krista McAuliffe was born in Boston in 1948, and she was 37 years old at the time when she was chosen for the mission. She was a mother of two and a social studies teacher at Concord High School in New Hampshire. NASA official Alan Ladwig said, quote, she had an infectious enthusiasm. And NASA psychiatrist Terence McGuire told New Woman magazine that, quote, I mean, why are they talking to NASA psychiatrists? She was the most broad-based, best-balanced person of the 10 finals. Broad-based, like physically? Yeah. yeah she had, really like, wide feet. shoes. <laughs> yeah. And as a psychiatrist, that's what I look for. <laughs> 
Oh, true stable. The infectious big personality sounds like a nightmare on a on a on a shuttle and on a podcast. Hello! Oh, god. oh god, she's back. <laughs> Pretend we're not here. Pretend we're not here. <laughs> oh, we're strapped in for the next eighteen hours. No, she was uh, she was uh, she was good media talent. She spent five months training for the mission, doing a lot of you know actual NASA training. She oh. also went on many television shows to talk about the mission, turning into somewhat of a national celebrity. Her backup, Barbara Morgan, was also trained. Barbara Morgan didn't do as much PR. Yeah, well, with the name like Barbara Morgan, yeah. That is a real meat and two veg kind of. Yeah, not even three veg. More like Barbara (laughs) Morgan. Am I right? (laughs) Barbara. Well, tell me. We're going to talk about Barbara later. (laughs) Oh no, Jess. Don't, no, don't beat yourself up. It's actually. I enjoyed it though. I know it was what? really In fun until I remembered that maybe she was. She yeah, doesn't explode, it's... does she? It's a good ending for Barbara. Oh, okay. Don't for worry about Barb. Blabra. Blabra is coming back in a big way. But let me get to that later. Then uh, I stand by Blabra Borgen. <laughs> right now, we're talking about Krista McAuliffe, the number one draft pick, not number two. Number one banana. She was. McAuliffe's planned duties included uh, basic science experiments in the fields of chromatography. <laughs> I'm imagining a training montage of her just like pouring different liquids into a beaker. And then they go like, <laughs> and then the, the instructors behind her are like got a clipboard and they're just nodding. Even though that every other NASA person is like the smartest scientist on the planet. Yeah. She's doing the most She's there doing like she's built a fake volcano. <laughs> she's got bicarb soda. Yeah. And they're going... Whoa. Whoa. She's like, I will somehow put this egg inside this bottle using only a candle. <laughs> whoa, whoa, there's no flames on board. Krista, whoa, 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 whoa. But, I mean, I want to see you do it, so do it. But, like, you can't do it on the on the, whoa, on the shuttle. They give it, yeah, they swap out the egg for powdered egg. <laughs> and no, take the flame away. You can try with this. Yeah. And she still can't do it because of gravity. <laughs> she's trying to, ch- she's chasing the powder with a bottle. I'll get it. I'll get it, guys. I'll get it. <laughs> Is this your card? <laughs> Oh, she does magic. Uh, that's magic. That is not math. Or science. But it is wonderful. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're on. Uh, she was also planning to conduct two 15-minute classes from space, including a tour of the spacecraft called The Ultimate Field Trip. She'd already named it. And a lesson about the benefits of space travel called Where We've Been, Where We're Going, Why? <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I love that. See, when we have ideas on this podcast, we have a couple of other people to spitball with. And like, um, Cock. Cock. Krista McAuliffe? No. (laughs) I wasn't calling her Cock. Oh, sorry. I think you'd misremembered her name. I was like, geez. I've really misremembered this one. Cocktober. Cocktoberfest. Yeah. Like, that's a bad idea. And we're here to say that's a bad idea. I would never print that on a pamphlet. Again. Okay. <laughs> I've learnt the lesson. Let's not forget. 10,000. 10, Let me know if you want one. <laughs> Nobody wants one. <laughs> I mean, I came up with a pretty good logo. What is it, Dave? It's R-rated. <laughs> it's really R-rated. R for rooster. Yeah. Oh, lots of rooster. <laughs> oh, these lessons, these science lessons slash magic, magic tricks were uh-huh. planned to be broadcast to millions of school children via closed circuit TV. Skype. So basically, 80s Skype. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, McAuliffe was to join six highly trained astronauts aboard the Challenger. They were. What? What are you laughing at? She's doing magic tricks and they're all like the <laughs> smartest people in the world. This is completely unrelated. Please just move on. 
I mean, it used to be a real achievement to break Jess, but now people that aren't even here are breaking her. <laughs> I just remembered something funny that I heard the other day. <laughs> I know, now you're remembering other jokes from not on air. Sorry. That's Steve Martin. <laughs> he really is a wild and crazy guy. Why did he quit stand-up? He was so talented. <laughs> so the six highly trained astronauts aboard the Challenger, as well as, well as Chris McAuliffe, they were Francis Dick R. Scobie. Dick Ars. No, Dick R. Scobie. Dick Ars. Dick R. Scobie. Okay. He was Dick the- Arscoby. It's a beautiful name. That's the he's the commander leading the mission. Bit of respect. Captain Dick. Commander Dick. Captain Dick was 46 years old and had been to space once before. It's a bit of experience. Uh, Michael J. Smith. (laughs) Very boring name. Michael Smith is already taken. (laughs) Is Michael Smith taken? Okay. Jay, is that taken? Probably. Uh, He was a pilot on his launch debut. He was 40 years old. He's got the same initials as me. I like him. H initial. Better than the last. (laughs) M. M. Oh, that's a hot start. What do you got? Jay, oh, that is very good. Bring it home. Oh, can you? Oh, my God, please. S, yes. <laughs> S for yes. I spell things backwards. <laughs> uh, next up we had uh, Ronald McCare, mission, McNair, sorry, mission oh, specialist. I was going to say that's the best, but it's the second best. McNair after McCare. McCare, <laughs> what a legend. McNair? McNair, very good. Very good. Uh, he'd been to space once before, 35 years old. Before the mission, he'd worked with composer Jean-Michel Jarre. Do you know him, the French composer? I'm probably saying that very wrong. On a piece of music for Jarre's then upcoming album, Rendezvous. It was intended that he would record his saxophone solo on board the Challenger, which would have made McNair's solo the first original piece of music to ever be recorded in space. Wow. Can you play an instrument in space? Yes. Wow. I imagine if he sucked. What's that, Dave? Uh, a terrible saxophone solo. Oh, what's a good one sound like? It sounded like a banjo. I think a good one sounds like this. I knew you were going to do that too. Oh, really? Because yeah. my first option was... Yeah. The t- no. I mean, Baker Street and um, Careless Whisper. If you're a saxophone... Busker, yeah. good luck to you because they're the two songs. Saxophonist. People... The other one is, of course. I'm sorry. No, Dave, just look at his mouth while he does it. <laughs> It's so strange. Because it's so open. You see his tongue waggling. That sounds a bit like Mr. Bean having a heart attack. Yes. Into a saxophone. He needs help. Tequila. Uh, We've also got uh, Ellison Onizuka. Another cracker name. Mission specialist, 39 years old, had been to space on the Discovery Shuttle. It's a bit more experience. It seems like you have to be sort of middle-ageish to get... Into space is that? I guess it's the kind of thing you've got to study yeah, for so a long most time. Yeah, most of the people have either been in the air force and studied science, usually both. Right. And uh, yeah, so that's sort of the back- background. So you have to be pretty experienced. The other person was uh, Judith Resnick, thirty-six years old, mission specialist from Akron, Ohio, <gasps> which I've definitely mispronounced again. Uh, Re- Resnick was the second American female astronaut in space, so she'd already been there before, logging 145 hours in orbit. And finally, Gregory Jarvis, 
payload satellite specialist. First trip to space for this 41-year-old engineer. Interesting. That's great. So, so basically, they're all, all, yeah, 36 to 46. All the experience and everything obviously outweighs any sort of physical um, benefits of being younger, mm. if there are any. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they're all still, you'd say, prime yeah, lifetime. Yeah, thing. totally. I or, say middle-aged, but it's pretty, it's pre-middle-aged. Yeah, so most are in their 30s, and then the more experienced, like the commander's 40s, he's the oldest, but I suppose the most experienced. For some reason, I, I just never really thought about that. For some for most things that are physical like that, they will go for uh, younger people, but it's the kind of thing you can't. They're not plucking people out as kids, like sport, like elite sports <laughs> yeah. people get trained from when they're six yeah. or four or something. <laughs> So by the time they're, what, 19, they're ready to go. Yeah. They're ready for space. Isn't that what space camp's all about? Have you heard of that? There's something in America called It sounds fun. Space I don't camp. know what it is, but I like it. I want to yeah. go. Am I too old? Probably. What's your favourite planet? Saturn's the obvious one because it's got the big ring. Uh, Uranus is the classic. Now um, you make me feel like an idiot because Saturn's my favourite. No, Saturn's amazing. It's that's no, I think it's it's yeah, it's a it's a great one. I think I like Jupiter, but now I feel like Huge. it's a bit cliched. No, I don't know if it is cliched because Mars would have its fans as well. Yeah, no, nah, I'm a Saturn girl myself. I reckon if I reckon in the end, I know it's a bit vanilla, but I'm going to go. say Earth. Knew it was coming. Knew it was coming. His favorite ice cream, vanilla. <laughs> favorite planet, French this vanilla. One. <laughs> I like everything where France is. Yeah, he's Earth, <laughs> French vanilla. Anywhere else? Well, I mean, give me another topic and I'll tell you my favourite. Country. French. <laughs> Anything French. French France. Favourite food? Probably French. Oh, man. Here we go. It's got to be something here. Here we go. Pun King. All right. Warming up. Here we go. French. French fajitas. All right. Alliteration. Well improvised. People love that. I knew there must have been an F food. <laughs> All right. I thought I'd take a second to uh, save Matt there and uh, very briefly explain how the space shuttle is supposed to take off. This is for you again, Will. Uh, the space shuttle consists of three main parts. If you look at it, you've got two solid rocket boosters. These are long white tubes on either side of the shuttle, critical for launch. They provide 71% of the thrust needed to get off the ground. <laughs> Thrust. <laughs> Are these? Uh... <laughs> oh, Matt's that's thrust. Oh, God. stop! <laughs> stop! He's thrusting into the mic. Can you hear that? I want to go. I mean, is that? I suppose between the two of you, that's seventy-one percent of the thrust on this podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, we're too old for that. I mean, I think I started thrusting at our live show last week and I was told to stop, so. <laughs> Not in public, Dave. Mm. Come on, Dave. <laughs> Did you thrust? God, I don't remember much of that show. No. I think I blacked memory. out. It was after I um, I sat like I was in a yoga position. Oh, like yes, that's right, yes. But it hurt my hips so badly to get, sort of yeah, pop that's them out. Right. Yeah, you're in, you, you did the French dog, didn't you? Yeah, French, the down, downward French dog. Yeah. Ooh la la. <laughs> As the French say. <laughs> we had a, a one of our great listeners from Sydney, Dan Bali, is a yoga master. A yogi. A yogi. And he I spoke to him after the show and he said your form was pretty good. <gasps> Myself. Yeah. 
No. Oh, thanks, it, Dan. I mean, we were just talking about you doing yoga. Sorry, but I, uh, I went, I looked, I looked away to get my drink bottle, and then you said you, and I'm like, I don't want to be too arrogant here. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure he's talking about my form. <laughs> Who else could he be talking about? Who else has good form? I didn't know Dan was into yoga, and I didn't know that he spoke about me. So thank you very much. I mean, I could have told you this later, I suppose, but yeah. you know, or since Dan. you brought it up, yeah. Since I asked, did anyone compliment me after the show? Anyway, two solid rocket boosters, 71% of the thrust. They're long white tubes. The tubes are reusable and break off and are tended to, uh, intended to land in the ocean where they're collected and they can go again. Oh, that's cool. Which is pretty amazing. That's nice. Uh, because the solid rocket boosters are solid rocket engines, once they are ignited, they cannot be shut down. So, therefore, they're the last component to light at launch. Basically, you've got to be very sure that you're going to lift off when you start the, these engines up. Because once they get going, they do not stop. Much like our thrusting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Can't stop, won't stop. Until I fall into the ocean yeah. and get collected. I get scooped up and I'll start the thrust again. They <laughs> <laughs> thrust it off your chair there. <laughs> Worth it. Uh, in the middle of all of this is the external fuel tank. Orange in colour, it carries fuel for the launch, and it carries a shitload of fuel. How much? The fuel is liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen. It is 158 feet or 48 metres long, so it's huge, and holds 1.6 million pounds or 719,000 kilograms of propellant with a total volume of about 526,000 gallons or 2 million litres of fuel. That's too many. Only the last one there was around number two, Jeff. Yeah. I like two. I like how we leaders. finished there because there was a lot of awkward jazz get, numbers in between. Thank you. Our fuel is burnt at an incredibly fast rate once it gets going. It's equivalent to emptying a family-sized swimming pool every ten seconds of fuel. So it's four. It burns four thousand liters of fuel every second. A family-sized. I have. What would? I, yeah. Thanks for putting in our terms that we all understand in the affluent east. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's more like um. 50 uh, butler's pantries full of fuel. <laughs> that, that good? Do you get that? One of those? Could you, what about people who don't have any of these fancy things? Oh, okay. It's something like um, oh, probably 100,000 backyard swimming pools. I know. I, 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 something that I grew up oh, okay. with oh, in it's, my um, house. 100 uh, Datsun cars from the 1970s. Yes. Fuel tanks burn every second. 280Bs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. No, 120Y. Oh. Okay, yeah, great. I also understand that. <laughs> Did you have one of those growing up? No. No, we were a Falcon family. Oh, I should have said that. Big Mazda family e- in my house. XC uh, 1978 Ford Falcon built Ford Tough. Have you probably held on, held on to that? Probably worth money now. I... Um, so, like, I found out relatively recently, my dad took it to his school. He's a teacher as a as for their mechanics class, and I'm like, uh, when they're done with it, let me know. I'm going to come pick it up. He said it'll be there whenever you want to come get it. And then I I mentioned it to him he's retiring later this year. I'm like, when should I come get the car? And he said, oh, that that was scrapped long ago. Oh my, real heartbreak. Oh, I'm so sorry. Anyway, I'm gonna find. I'll find another. I'll find a similar car to that one what? day when I get the time. Were you just for what for years thought it was just sitting there waiting yeah, for really? you, never mentioning it, no. and it was going to be in tip top shape because all those students yeah, had all worked those on it. Awesome mechanics from year ten. 
My dad is not sentimental at all. Good yeah. to know. But what a moustache on him. Yeah, great mo. Oh, oh, I was thinking about your dad the other day. Don't know why. Don't remember the context now. I was just remember, I was like, that moustache. <sighs> bloody great. Anyway, Dave, do go on. It's bloody, it's bloody good stuff, that mo. It really is. You did say at the start of this that this was a long report. I'm sorry that we're derailing I've you. I've just accidentally closed my document. <laughs> Can you tell I'm stalling? Oh, okay. Da, 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 da. Matt, thrust again. Thrusting saxophone. that's gross. <laughs> the studio's falling apart. They can't handle your sexual magnetism. Turn the thrust booster up to 71%. Oh, yeah. All right, found my place. Uh, just a few more facts because it is it is one of the co- coolest things uh, ever built. The engines have a combined output of 37 million horsepower, which is ridiculous. It's yeah, ridiculous. that's a yeah, lot of horses. Yeah, so it's heaps. How many horses power. are there in the world, Dave, just quickly? Oh, I'd say in the billions. And how many? 37 million are, are killed to power this machine. Wow. Wait, is that what that means? Yeah, how many horses have died to make this go? Oh, boy. And you were saying there were some ethical problems. Mm. That's number one, baby. Yeah. Killing so many horses. Sounds like even more than the Australian racing industry. Or similar amount, probably. 37 billion? <laughs> Can we get sued for... <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. There we go. Saved it. Uh, to achieve orbit, the sp- shuttle must accelerate from zero to a speed of almost 29,000 kilometres per hour. No, too fast. Or 18,000 miles per hour. <laughs> Which is a speed nine times as fast as the average rifle bullet. That's how fast this thing has to travel. Wow. It's re- kind of h- hard to imagine how quick quick that is. I was doing 100 on the way here on the freeway thinking, this is pretty quick. It's 290 times that speed. Could you put it into uh, sort of a measurement that I could remember from my childhood? Okay. It's kind of like throwing Voltron really fast. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I understand that. Wow. Throwing Voltron really fast. It's like throwing Voltron down the stairs, but there's like a million stairs. Whoa. And each stair, it doubles in speed. Wow. Okay. And at the bottom, hey, hey, it's Saturday's play. (laughs) (laughs) Daryl's there? Daryl's Daryl's there. there. Daryl. Daryl Molly is red? The whole gang. Wow. Even Wilbur Wilde? <laughs> he played the sax. He sure did. Did he? He played the shit out of that he really sax. Did. Hell yeah. He was the best thing in that show, I reckon. Do you reckon? Wilbur, yeah. What a guy. All right, that's two out of the three things that I've explained. Finally, so, you know, there's the rocket boosters, there's the fuel tank in the middle, then finally there's the orbiter, which is the main shuttle part that carries astronauts and their payload, remember, a satellite or whatever. Mm-hmm. The plan is that when their mission is over, they land using the orbiter's wings on a specifically built runway. Basically, it glides to Earth like a giant plane. So he doesn't come down on a parachute like the Apollo mission mm-hmm. and crash into the ocean. It's actually got to land like a plane, which is amazing because it's traveling so fast. Uh, the whole thing weighs 4.5 million pounds or 2 million kilos and needs to get between 115 to 400 miles or 185 to 650 kilometers above the Earth. So with this so with this much fuel and so many millions of tiny actions, there is obviously a lot that can go wrong. Mm. But up until this point, nothing had ever gone wrong. I like those odds. 
The Challenger had a good history and was considered the most reliable of all of the shuttles at the time. Since debuting two and a half years earlier, it had flown 40% of all the shuttle missions. 40%? So it was like their, you know, their go-to shuttle. Yeah, their numero uno. This flight, which is called STS-51L, was Challenger's 10th mission and the 25th shuttle mission overall. So at this point, Challenger had sent 51 astronauts into space on nine trouble-free flights, so they had no reason to worry. You know? Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. On this flight... The Challenger's mission was to deploy a data relay satellite and a satellite to examine the approaching Halley's Comet. The other main focus of the mission was to get Krista McAuliffe into space, where she would, of course, conduct live educational broadcasts from the shuttle and transmit them to classrooms around the world. Can you imagine how shit that broadcast would have been, though? Well, it would have been like even in the t- 80s. today, it would be a bit crappy, probably. What the, the broadcast quality? Yeah, right. It's the 80s. Standard definition. Uh, 80s era of MTV. Uh, other, you know, the TV show. Hey, hey, it's Saturday. <laughs> uh, the uh, Simpsons look at, you debuted. Look at, looking to us to help, we were not alive in the 80s. Right. Sorry, mate. Dave? Sorry. Jess? He's younger than me. Dave? <laughs> <laughs> Where? Why are you commenting on it then? Like you, you said it was no good, but. Sounds like you have no direct experience there. Hmm. Just taking pot shots from the future. Yep. Well. What, come at me, 80s. What's it going to do? What's uh, it going to do? Uh, Gordon Gecko, ever heard of him? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of money around back then. Musicians used, oh. m- could make a real big living back then. Think about that. The internet hadn't ruined the careers of musicians. Dave, do go on. Okay. That seems to be pretty jaded by an industry that he never even tried to be in. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're finally ready for takeoff. The takeoff was originally scheduled uh, to take off from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida on January 22nd, but was delayed six times due to bad weather, bad crosswinds, equipment failure, and technical issues. Mm -hmm. It's not a great start. And because there is so much interest in this mission, pressure was really starting uh, to build for NASA to get this thing off the ground. Finally, on January 28, almost a week after its original schedule, it looked like Challenger was ready to go. Thousands of people travelled to Florida to watch the shuttle take off, and it was big news around the world. Forecasts for January 28, however, predicted an unusually cold morning, with temperatures close to minus 1 degrees Celsius, or 30 degrees Fahrenheit, which is the absolute minimum temperature permitted for launch. Oh, don't go at the absolute minimum. The shuttle was, in fact, never certified to operate in temperatures that low, and the next coldest condition they'd ever operated in was much warmer, up to 10 degrees warmer. That's quite a difference. The weather was so cold, the launch pad was covered in sheets of ice 7.5 centimetres or three inches thick. Whoa. And again, no shuttle had ever launched in such freezing conditions. I mean, i got to say, before I go on, I'm not a scientist. Thank you for clarifying. Yep. Okay. Because what I'm going to say is going to sound pretty scientific. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone to be confused. Okay. But that seems too cold. There, I said it. I'm sorry. Hey, don't apologize. I didn't understand a word of that. Mm. So scientific. But I assume it was very clever. Yes. Much like a scientist. Yeah, huh? Yeah, huh? <laughs> yeah, huh? <laughs> now, it wasn't just scientists like Matt here, so I believe, were concerned. There were concerns from some of the engineers that the weather was too cold. And they were concerned mainly about the O-rings and the solid rocket boosters, mm, the big white tubes rings. on either side. Tell me, 
what rings aren't O-shaped? Hmm. Okay. Sorry to sorry to chuck science back in your face there, but Wow. Yeah. Satin. That's so much better than my comment of mm, onion rings. <laughs> I call them O-rings. I don't, but I'm going to now. They're nice, yeah, onion rings. Oh, I love onion rings. I do too. Aww. Aww. Let's get them. Yeah. Let's get them. <laughs> <laughs> Jump cut to us beating up onion rings. <laughs> cut that onion ring. <laughs> and then all high-fiving. Woo! We sure showed them. And then we all feel a bit remorseful. As we're, like, eating them, we're weeping. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, 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 Greg, uh, Gary, Greg. the boys. <laughs> Greg and Gary and the boys. <laughs> Jeff, Gerald. <laughs> Gareth. Guys, it's 2018, okay? Onion rings can be girls. Oh, Geraldina. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what, did you. What was that name? Geraldina. Geraldina. Oh, so close to Geraldine, a real name. <laughs> <laughs> so close. Oh, nearly. I was thinking of Spirulina. <laughs> One of those... One of those beautiful names. Yeah. Now, I'm going to talk a bit about uh, O-rings because they're very important in this story. Uh, so the engineers are concerned about the O-rings and the solid rocket boosters. They're the big, the ones with the 71% thrust on either side of the big boys, the bad boys, the reusable things. Don't make me get up. <laughs> <laughs> the big boys. These reusable long tubes were made up of four sections that were put together on the launch site and held together by joints. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. <laughs> yeah. Marijuana cigarettes, am I right? <laughs> Blaze it. <laughs> 420 somewhere, am I right? Blaze it. Let's go to the moon, baby. <laughs> hey, let's you, get jazzed. You were smoking two joints there. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, you know. It's not cool, kids. 
I just let that sink in. <laughs> really makes you think about how uncool marijuana is. <laughs> marijuana cigarettes. I'll never touch a marijuana leaf again. I've touched so many leaves. Yeah. Get your hands off those leaves, Dave. I like to put them in between uh, a big thick book. Make them real flat. <laughs> Cop that, marijuana. Yeah, like your future will be. Yeah. <laughs> flat? <laughs> Or in a big book. (laughs) In a big book. That's where your future is, Dave. You nerd. (laughs) In a big book. Always get his nose in a bloody big book. Uh, You know what he's like. Oh, oh, Shakespearean. Oh, 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 chapter two. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was pretty pleased with myself that I made it through chapter one. (laughs) Matt, as a high school bully, is brutal. I know. Chapter two. (laughs) What are you reading there, Poindexter? Shakespeare. Can you explain it to me? We've got a test tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's you. You're the you're the jock, Matt. Yeah, you're such a such a sporty man. Thank you. Wait. <laughs> Wait is anyway. that a, is that a compliment? I don't know what I'd be. And I'd be the oh I know I'd you're be the, the drama th- captain. No, I know you. I'm were. the pretty girl's funny friend. <laughs> comic, comic relief. Yeah. What is this in 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 a movie of what no life? Life in the movie of life. Mm. Can you introduce me to your friend? Dave, Dave's the sleaze bag. Yeah, no, I, I, no, Dave's the nerd who thinks he's cool. He's the what was the American Pie guy? Stifler? No. no. Um, oh, I, yes, I know who you're talking about. Fuck, what was his name? Redheaded guy. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to think. Yeah, uh, gone back in time to change the life of one lucky lady. Yeah, it's yeah, like Spindler or something like that. I was also thinking of in Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh. The 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 guy in the AV club or something. Anyway, fuck, stop derailing. Or in Can't Hardly Wait, the uh, uh, the guy who's in Buffy. <laughs> These are all great references. <laughs> or in Buffy, the guy who kind of reminds me of Chandler oh, Bing. Oh, yeah, no, you're talking about, yes, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could I be any more confused right now? <laughs> you don't even get that reference. No. Dave, please. I want to talk about O-rings, damn it. Fine. You're making me hungry. <laughs> uh, so the, these uh, reasonable long tubes are made up of four sections that were put together on launch site and held together by joints, yes. I was trying to say. They oh, are... my God. <laughs> That's where it all went wrong. Oh, no. We suck. <laughs> <laughs> the joints are sealed by a pair of compressed rubber O-rings. At ignition, the rocket fires up in under one hundredth of a second. Super quick. The metal casing quickly expands with the heat. The O-rings must also quickly expand to seal in the heat and stop the rocket fuel from escaping at the joint. So yeah. they're like, it's basically like a big rubber plug. It keeps all the gases and heat inside the metal tube. Plug is such a fun word. Mm. Plug. Got anything to plug? Plug. Love that. The plug is very important because if any of this heat gets out, it causes a massive explosion. So the O-ring is very important. Right. The O-rings didn't have enough data to prove that they would function properly in such cold conditions, and some were worried that the weather would make them too rigid to expand. On the evening of January 27th, so the night before the launch, engineers and managers from Thiokol, who are the company that built the solid rocket boosters, held a teleconference with NASA to discuss the weather conditions. Several engineers, including most famously Roger Beaujolais, Incredible name. Great name. Stated their concerns. Robo. Robo Beaujolais. Stated their concerns about the effect of low temperatures on the resilience. Stated their concerns <laughs> about the effect of low temperatures on the resilience of the rubber O-rings. And they recommended 
a launch postponement. They said, it's too cold tomorrow, let's cancel it. I'm going to agree with them as a scientist. Robogelo. Yeah. Roy Beaujolais argued that they did not have enough data to determine whether the joints would properly seal if the O-rings were colder than 12 degrees, and it's way colder than that, 54 Fahrenheit for the people overseas. This was an important consideration since the O-rings had been rated as critically one or a critical one component, meaning that there was no backup if they failed and their failure could destroy the orbiter and kill its crew. So there's like a scale and this mm. is like a number one thing. So we can't fuck with this because if this goes, it all goes. Roe Beaujolais had first written a memo pointing out the dangers of the cold weather on O-rings the year before in 1985, but he was ignored. Beaujolais had discovered on examining a booster from the Discovery shuttle that the O-ring had been badly burned and was less than one millimetre away from burning through completely. Like, so, so close. If it had burned all the way through, it would have exploded. His theory was that this was because because of the cold weather on the day of the launch in 1985, where it was 11 degrees Celsius. 10 degrees warmer. Oh. Yeah. Actually, 12 degrees warmer than on the day of the Challenger launch. So when he saw they were planning to launch on an even colder day, he started freaking out. And he went to his bosses and said, we've got to stop this. Oh, my God. This feel, it, it feels bizarre that this is even... These stories, you just expect them to be on top of all this stuff. Yeah. For sure. And if somebody comes to them and says, like, we can't do this, this is a bad idea, and here's why, you'd think that the answer would be... Let's not risk yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you think so? NASA protocol requires all shuttle subcontractors to sign off on any flight. And the night before a launch, they have a go-slash-no-go telephone conference. So if Thiokol... So Robo was in the (laughs) no-slash-no-go on the O rings? That is so good. Loved it. I say this often because it keeps happening. It's just like one thing after another. But I have never been prouder of you. Just waiting. I'm, I'm waiting for a real roast there. Yeah, was that a takedown? Nah. Or, no, it was like that was praise. That was great. That was so good, Matt. That was so good. I'll be playing that at your funeral, Matt. Can I just say, you, Matt, you are so cool. <laughs> that was so great. I'm being bullied by the nerds. I'm praising you and the nerds, hot friend's friend. <laughs> I mean, I'm not friends with a hot girl. I know her. Acquaintance. From primary school. Yeah. Our mums were friends. Yeah. Hi, Justine. (laughs) Oh, that means you're the boy next door then. Yeah. That's good. She ends up with you. Yes. Even though you I end up with someone. Even though you're ugly and a bit nerdy. Well, more than a bit. And socially awkward. Oh, what? But you got a heart of gold. Mm. Could have cut it out. Oh, okay. It's a horror flick. Got it. All right, sure. So they're having the go slash no-go teleconference. If Thiokol didn't give the go-ahead, the shuttle couldn't take off. So all the subcontractors have to to say, yes, it's safe. So Thiokol recommended to postpone, but NASA heavily questioned their recommendation. They told the managers of Thiokol that their data was inconclusive and that they shouldn't be bringing this up the night before a launch. According to Beaujolais, Lawrence Malloy, who was head of NASA's rocket boosters division, said, my God, Thiokol, when do you want me to launch next April? Why are you guys trying to come up with launch commit criteria on the eve of the launch? It is weird that they're bringing it up very late. So they didn't tell them about the O-ring nearly burning through? No, so nothing had happened since 1985 from that memo. Right. Mm. So the guy, the four managers of Thiokol put the teleconference on hold and reconsidered their position. When Thiokol looked like they were changing their, their minds, Beaujolais claims that he made a last-ditch attempt to make them cancel the launch. He was literally screaming at them not to ignore the photo of the Discovery's shattered O-ring. 
Despite this, all four of Thiokol's managers agreed to give their... They were bullied into it by the sounds of it, sort of. Yeah, they, mm. they agreed. They, they took a vote. They all said, let's go for it, and gave NASA the all-clear to launch, which NASA immediately accepted. <sighs> Beaujolais, Robo, is convinced that they were bullied into giving the go-ahead just to keep NASA on schedule. Mm. That's what it feels like. According to NASA's own pre-launch estimates, there was only a 1 in 100,000 chance of the shuttle failing to launch. So they were pretty confident that they'd be fine. Failure to launch. One in 100,000. Wonderful film. McConaughey. Parker. Georgie. Deschanel. Etc. Who's Parker? Sarah Jessica. Oh. Oh, she's been in something good. No, absolutely oh. not. It's a piece of shit. All oh. oh, right. Oh, there you go. We're all learning something. Well, I thought I did. I clearly didn't. Nope. So NASA... Got the all clear to go ahead. Takeoff was scheduled for 9.38 a.m. Is that annoying, Jess? Oh, what the fuck <laughs> is wrong with you? It would have been something to do with weather or something, right? 9.30! 9.38. 9.45 I'm okay with. 10 o'clock, fine. 9.38. Fuck you. I also read that the um, astronauts got a 6.17 a.m. wake-up oh, call. Oh, get <laughs> fucked! Because everything's like down to the, the minute and the second with these people. Oh, I say these that. These people. Huh? But 9.38 was delayed due to concerns about ice that had accumulated in the launch pad that I talked about. Icicles over one metre long hung off the bottom of the shuttle. <laughs> and this caused considerable concern for the launch team. Yeah, no shit. There's like legit stalactites of ice hanging. 9.38. <laughs> that is infuriating. That's the concerning thing. Oh, yuck. Jess, there were... 19 icicles hanging off. Oh, you fucking. Even, you know what? Even 9.40, I'm okay with. That's fine. Around 22. 10 minutes. 20 to 10. That feels good. 22 is fine. This is not going to get any better. The seven crew members had breakfast and left the crew quarters and rode the astronaut van to launch pad B, arriving at 8.03 a.m. 8.03, and there's seven of them. They were, oh. in, they were in their seats in the Challenger at 8.36 a.m. Oh, no one cares. At 8.44 a.m., the ICE inspection team completed its second inspection. After hearing the team's report, the program manager decided to allow additional time for the ice to melt on the pad. At 11.15... They had an huh? ICE inspection team. Hmm. Yeah, that was people's job. Eat! 11.15, the I- ICE inspection was completed. IIT. Eat! Anyway, that's my contribution. At 11.15am, pretty good. Thank They've you. rounded that up. Yes. The ice inspection was completed and during the hold at launch minus nine minutes, which is nine minutes before launch, the Mission 51L crew and all the members of the launch team gave their go for an official launch. The final flight of the Challenger began at 11.38am and one one-thousandth of a second. Oh, honestly. 11.38, one one-thousandth. One thousandth. <laughs> it's hard to fucking say. One one thousandth. So they're ready to go. Very easy to say. Everyone's watching on. Finally, go time. The crew counted down and the shuttle lifted off to cheers of everyone watching on. Thousands of people. Except one person down. in the front row with their arms crossed. Boo! <laughs> Bored. <laughs> uh, within seconds, Challenger was travelling at over 1,500 kilometres per hour. Engineers on the ground, including Roger Beaujolais, were amazed that it hadn't exploded. He was fully expecting it to explode on the pad. Right. He was happy to be wrong about the O-rings. Yes. Good. So, the, But it was more than just him who were concerned? Yeah, so there's a whole team, but 
since what is about to happen, he's the one that's come out and been the most vocal, mm. right. written books about it and stuff. Roe Beaujolais. Roe Beaujolais. So he's like the face of the – and he, you know, I'll talk about him in a bit. As uh, the shuttle hit the 10-kilometre mark, a severe crosswind slammed into the shuttle, causing it to shake. At 58 seconds in the sh- into the launch, the shuttle encountered another side wind and was shaken for a second, but then it, it seemed to steady, seemed to go back on course. At 66 seconds, the shuttle was ordered to turn up its engines to full power to accelerate away from the Earth's gravity. It was all looking fine, but then at 73 seconds after liftoff, Challenger was suddenly engulfed by a ball of fire. Down on the ground, NASA's mission control was completely stunned. In an instant, they had lost all contact with the spacecraft. Their data from over 2,000 sensors had failed to indicate anything was going wrong, so they were not immediately sure of what had happened. Uh, if you watch the footage back, you can hear one of the operators from the mission control saying, uh, obviously there's been a major malfunction, but they're all stunned. Wow. Everyone except Robo Jolay. He's kind of smug, <laughs> no, he which said, is inappropriate. No, he but... said he was cry- crying and he was so upset. <laughs> oh, wow. Because he probably still feels somewhat, he, should, he probably feels like he could have said something more. Or... Yeah. Yeah, well, actually. It would be very frustrating. I saw an interview with him and he said that he actually had a nervous breakdown following this. <sighs> I'm not surprised, yeah. That is a nightmare scenario. Oh, absolutely. <sighs> he tried. He tried. Isn't it amazing that they're, they're like, no, we've got a schedule. Yeah, but I'm telling you that you're going to cost yourselves lives and uh, billions of dollars yeah. of equipment. Millions probably. It's it's wild. that. Hopefully, more importantly, the lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, what why, what's this schedule? Why is it yeah. so important? This is, this is going to be slightly embarrassing if we delay this again for a few months. Because yeah. remember, it's their big PR exercise. and They want this to – the irony is that they want this to go well so badly that yeah. they, risk, they you know, went against safety instructions well, and it went even worse than yeah. delaying I mean, a week. There's no such thing as bad publicity, you know? True. I hadn't considered that. Mm. Any publicity is good publicity. On the ground watching on were, of course, the families of the people oh. on board and they – they don't know what exactly has happened because it's so high up in the sky, but they can just tell something's gone horribly wrong. On the ground and on the live TV broadcast, people could see the two rocket boosters that remained intact careering wildly off course. So we'll probably link to a, a, an image of this. So it looks like, uh, and this is quite a famous photo, a big main explosion in the middle and two trails of smoke trails of smoke from these rockets have just split off and they've just kept going. Mm. NASA remotely detonated these two rockets for safety reasons afterwards. Mm. So they go off for a bit and then they suddenly stop because they were uh, detonated. The debris spiraled and fell to Earth and started to land in the Atlantic Ocean and everyone on the ground was just praying that the orbiter containing the crew was able to separate and remain in one piece. Suddenly it was a recovery mission and ships, boats and helicopters were immediately sent to the spot where the orbiter was thought to have landed in the ocean. Everyone was hoping that somehow they were still alive in there. Come on. The compartment amazingly did stay in one piece during the explosion. Wow. However, the crew compartment had ascended to an altitude of 12.3 miles, nearly 20 kilometres, before free-falling into the Atlantic Ocean and it hit the water at over 320 kilometres per hour. Wow. With an estimated deceleration of impact well over 200 Gs, which is far beyond the structural limits of the crew compartment or crew survivability levels, and is actually far greater than almost any other automobile, aircraft, or train accident ever. Sadly, the crew didn't stand a chance. So, but the but they didn't. Oh, so like they they did. Uh, what am I trying to say here? It wasn't even like 
it was a quick explosion and they were just gone. It's like they it was not a quick and easy. Well, there was debate demise. over that. The horrible part, it's not exactly known how they died. Oh, whether it was God. during the explosion or when they hit the water. Whether the crew members remained conscious long enough long mm. after their breakup is unknown and largely depends on whether the detached crew cabin maintained uh, its pressure integrity mm. because all seven crew members were supplied with personal egress air packs or PEEPs, which provide each of them with approximately six minutes of breathable air inside their helmets. At least three of the crew were alive and at least briefly conscious after the breakup as three of them had turned their PEEPs on on the flight deck so they were found Shit. to have been activated. But the peep, as I said, is only useful in the cabin if it maintained pressure integrity. But if it had, which they don't know, it may, they may have been conscious during the two minutes and 45 second free fall back to earth, which is that's pretty awful, horrible. There was also evidence that switches had been activated in the cabin like they'd futile but tried to power up again. Shit. Yeah. That's awful. Absolute tragedy. And, and it's such a strange thing to think or say, but like you'd wish – that they'd just blown up. Yeah. You know, you'd wish that for them. Yeah, it's a long two and a half minutes. Whoa, that's awful. On the night of the disaster, President Ronald Reagan had been scheduled to give his annual State of the Union address. He initially announced that the address would go on as scheduled, but then postponed the State of the Union address for a week and instead gave a national address on the Challenger disaster from the Oval, sorry Jess, Mm. office in the White House. So it was big, big news yeah. around the world, but especially in America. Of course. Three days later, a rem- memorial service was held and President Ronald Reagan paid tribute to the brave crew. It was attended by 6,000 6, NASA employees and 4,000 guests, as well as, of course, by the families of all the crew. A thorough presidential investigation was conducted over the next five months, and it was painstaking as the Challenger had exploded into thousands of pieces that had all landed in the ocean. Mm. Debris rained down for over an hour after the explosion, so the recovery effort had to wait until it was safe before they could start collecting the material. Sonar, divers, remotely operated submersibles and manned submersibles were all used during the search, which covered an area of 486 square nautical miles, which is over 1,500 square kilometres, and took place uh, at water depths between 70 feet and 1,200 feet, or 21 metres and 370 metres deep. The crew compartment wasn't found until six weeks later on March 7th, and it was buried in 100 feet of water. After six weeks of being in the ocean, the bodies were referred to as, quote, remains, not bodies. Navy pathologists performed autopsies on the crew members, but due to the poor condition of the bodies, the exact cause of death couldn't be determined for any of them, so it's not sure if they did suffocate up there or, you know, when they hit the water, they died then. that's awful. The recovery operation was able to pull 15 tonnes of debris from the ocean, but 55% of the Challenger, 5% of the crew cabinet, and 65% of the satellite cargo are still missing. So didn't get a lot of it. Some of the remaining debris continued to wash up onto Florida's shores for many years, including in 1996, 11 years after the incident, when two large pieces of the shuttle were found at Cocoa Beach. Well, Cocoa Beach sounds nice, but the well, rest it of did. it... Not, <laughs> the rest not so much. Uh, All the recovered uh, debris from the Challenger was ultimately buried in a former missile silo at Cape Canaveral Air Force Station where it still is today. But you're probably wondering, what the hell happened? The President's Commission, also known as the Rogers Commission, named after its chairman, William P. Rogers, uh, had the five-month investigation. Also on the commission was Neil Armstrong. Really? Willie P. Or Wony. Good question. (laughs) 
And Matt's back. <laughs> Hello, Matthew. <laughs> uh, the commission worked over five months, uh, as I said. In the report, they found that due to the freezing temperatures, the O-ring in the, lo- the right rocket's lowest field joint did not enlarge as they should have and gases twice as hot as the inside of a furnace were able to escape. So Robojolet was correct? Almost exactly what Robojolet wow. said. The cold rubber had become stiff, failing to fully seal the joint just as Robojolet and mm. many other engineers had feared. The commission compared over 200 different videos taken by NASA and by witnesses on the ground to try and look at the at the takeoff frame by frame. Mm. So it was very painstaking. They found that immediately upon liftoff, black smoke billowed from the rocket booster near the joint that failed, and their findings published that this was smoke from an O-ring burning, which is not supposed to do. But it's all happening so quickly that NASA couldn't see that happening. It's, it burns for about five seconds and then mm. stops. Only when you go frame by frame can you notice it. Uh, the commission said that as the shuttle took off, a flame escaped from the joint of the rocket booster. This flame burnt through a support that attached the booster to the huge external fuel tank. Like a blowtorch, the gases cut through the skin of the external tank and ignited the liquid hydrogen fuel. The attachment quickly broke free and the entire bottom section of the fuel tank gave way. And this meant that the nose of the rocket booster pivoted into the side of the fuel tank and it caused all of the fuel to ignite at once. And that's why it exploded. Like in an instant. The failure of the O-rings was attributed to faulty design whose performance could be too easily compromised by factors including the low temperatures on the day of a launch. The report also strongly criticised the decision-making process that led to the launch of the Challenger, saying it was seriously flawed. They heard that that several engineers pointed out problems with the O-ring, but because of the flaws in NASA's management structure, the launch went ahead. Because he'd complained a year before, and his complaint had never been passed on to the right people, which is... It sounds like the PR department was running the show. Yeah, yeah. they're like, no, 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 we're going to take off. People love this shit. Yeah. Mm. That's a go we're NASA. The, yeah, it's a guy with a cane and one of those old straw hats. Some sort of step right up guy. Yeah. He's the one who's in charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, there are a few other uh, hearings. The US Committee on Science and Technology also had a hearing. They found... Their findings were very damning on NASA. They said, quote, The committee feels that the underlying problem which led to the Challenger accident was not poor communication or underlying procedures as implied by the Rogers Commission. Rather, the fundamental problem was poor technical decision-making over a period of several years by top NASA and contracted personnel who failed to act decisively to solve the increasingly serious abnormalities in the solid rocket booster joints. So they were like, you really fucked this. Mm. To paraphrase, <laughs> uh, there's been questions over the years as to why the shuttle didn't malfunction on the launch pad as Bro Beaujolais had, had ex- predicted. Remember, he thought if the O-ring was going to fail, it was going to fail right away and it was just going to go up in, mm. in, in flames. So he was amazed when they watched it take off and it took 73 seconds before yeah, it so exploded. Yeah, so he would have he been feeling quite relieved. Yeah, he was thinking, all right, it's probably going to work. Like, uh, yeah. I was wrong, thank God. Yeah. But author James Child re-examined the footage of the takeoff and found that on the takeoff, the O-ring did fail and that smoke can be seen billowing out, as I said before. But then it stops after a few seconds, and he wondered why did the smoke stop. He posits that it stopped after a few seconds because aluminium residue from the burning rocket fuel actually sealed the joint shut and that everything went normally until the gust of wind that I talked about that slammed Mm. into the side of it. It knocked the shuttle and it knocked the aluminium out of place, and this opened up the hole in the joint again. Right. It's also possible that the O-ring itself did burn and that it melted and momentarily formed a seal in the joint, but then the wind smacked into the side of it, 
it opened up and that's when, you know, the flame started coming out. Charles' theory is that if the wind hadn't knocked it and that the seal was maintained for just 60 more seconds, the rockets would have detached as planned and the crew would have gone into orbit and no one ever would have even known. Wow. Mm. So it's likely... But 60 seconds is a long time. It had to hold for another minute. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah, that is a minute. 60 uh, seconds. In a lot of ways it is anyway. It's a minute. Yeah. It's basically, it's nearly double the time that it was already there. So it, like you say, it mm. is long. But it's likely to have been a combination of many things going badly at the same time, just like in Chernobyl. It was probably a combination of cold weather that made the O-rings less effective, actual poor design of the joints and crosswind and bad luck that the weather knocked the solid rocket boosters so much that the aluminium or the rubber sealing the joints was knocked out of the way. What if they'd just gone later in the day? Like I wonder if it got to a more reasonable temperature later that day. Or if they'd postponed a week, maybe this would have been okay. But then the question is, of course, would they have learnt anything and... Yeah. Was one of these it, O-rings destined yeah. destined to fail? Yeah, true. Was it, if if not then when? Yes, but uh, but also if that crosswind hadn't hit it if they'd mm. gone on different weather conditions, who knows? It's there's so many like what ifs. And if if it did blow up on the runway, would that have taken out spectators and I'm um, probably not spectators, but possibly ground crew. Right. I don't know. I imagine that they probably make people get they're far quite away enough, far away, I yeah. think. Just because it is. But it could be you're talking about a huge explosion from so, so much fuel. So, two million litres. Yeah. yeah, true. Of rocket fuel. It's like yeah. it's insane. It's, basically, they are strapped to a bomb. Right. And it unfortunately went off. Because mm. by the time they exploded in the sky, a lot of the fuel had already been burned. But if it was on the ground and it went off, yeah, it would have been insane. In the long run, NASA redesigned the solid rocket booster joints. They implemented new rules regarding launches in cold weather and built a new system for the crew to escape from the shuttle during ascent. That was another thing people criticised. They had no escape. Right. Once they were in the air, there was no way, really, to come back down safely. Yeah, what, like what What would they do now? Like Ejector seat. Yeah, people like did, parachute People sort did of say ejector seat, but I read that that actually would have been quite dangerous because you have to have a small explosion for an ejector seat to go off. Right. So now... The shuttles have been retired now, but they made some they made some change that they were able to get out of the shuttle and then they'd parachute. Yeah. But it only worked if they were travelling horizontally. So it actually wouldn't have helped because mm. they were going up, straight up. Right. So even if they had, you know, this escape tube or whatever it was, it, it still wouldn't have helped them. You know, sometimes, and this is at probably the other end of the mission, a successful mission, sometimes you see the the tube coming down with the big parachute. Am I imagining that? Oh, yeah, yeah. So they, yeah. So those rocket boosters that fall off, they split into four pieces and they have a parachute. So there's no way of doing, having a backup one of those. I wonder if uh, scientists had thought of these things. They should have got us in. We could have, we could have spitballed. Seriously, the power of spitballing. Honestly. uh, Come on. Have other people to bounce ideas off. Hello. This Johnny Nasser or whatever this guy's name is who makes all the decisions, <laughs> I reckon he should get hey, a Johnny, committee. Johnny, get me in there. <laughs> Come on. Well, they were keen to get a civilian involved. They should have got us involved. So was the teacher on board? Yes, sadly, she did perish with the other Krista. six. Krista. Krista McAuliffe, yeah. Oh, man. And sadly, her school was watching on. Oh, oh no. Which would have been so horrific. Oh, so many great names. Uh, they'd all be, like, remembered as heroes in America. Yeah, so they... 
they're all buried in different places, but they have uh, memorials to them. And actually, I'll talk about there's actually quite a legacy that the, the Challenger left behind. After the disaster, the shuttle program was grounded for nearly three years. In September 1988, the space shuttle Discovery took off, and then the shuttle program continued until 2011, so it doesn't exist anymore. It suffered another major disaster in 2003 when the space shuttle Columbia broke up upon re-entry, so the other way, on the way back down, and it killed all seven crew members again. I don't remember that at all. Do you, do you remember that? I don't think so. No. There was, again, there was a commission, and the findings was NASA didn't learn enough from the Challenger. Right. Fuck. It was similar risk. People had said, I think it was... Um, when they were on takeoff, a piece of foam had uh, oh, smashed, smashed a, a tile or yes, a set of tiles. Yes, it was just a little tile. But yes. And people had said, w- should we worry about that? But they thought it would hold. But then it didn't hold. And they, I think fortunately for them, they would have died very quickly. It just, it was a little nick and that created so much friction that. Yeah, the whole thing just disintegrated. Far out. I do, I do uh, remember that. What year was that, sorry? 2003. Right, yeah. Columbia, yeah. yeah. Approximately 17% of Americans witnessed the launch live because of the presence of payload specialist Krista McAuliffe, mm. who had been the first teacher in space. So big news, like I said. Media coverage of the accident was extensive. One study reported that 85% of Americans surveyed had heard the news within one hour of it happening. So it's one of those big things like September 11 or, yeah. you know, when everyone just knows. And pre-social media. Yeah, this is now the 80s. news spreads even yeah, faster. Yeah, but in the 80s, they just yeah. everyone knew. But it is a common misconception. This is according to National Geography, or a false memory that everyone watched it live on television. Most of the major TV networks did not broadcast the launch live. Uh, the launch occurred on a Tuesday at 11:39, which when most people were were at work, and the handful of people who did see the tragedy unfold were watching it on NASA's channel via satellite dishes, like yeah. Krista's uh, classroom. Technology that relatively few people had at the time or on CNN, which not everyone has. Mm. But uh, National Geographic interviewed a lot of people and they everyone remembers watching it live because they've seen all the replays. Yes. Pretty but much it, instantaneously. But, but it yeah. wasn't live. Yeah. Every January, NASA pauses to remember the last crew, the lost crew of the Challenger and other crews lost in pursuing space on a NASA Day of Remembrance. Challenger's explosion changed the space shuttle program in several ways. Plans to fly other civilians into space, such as journalists, were shelved for 22 years until a certain someone flew aboard Endeavour in 2007. Any ideas on who that would be? 2007. wasn't Kevin Rudd. Kevin 07. <laughs> I feel like I'd remember that. I do know who you're talking about, and as soon as you say it, I'm going to be like... That certain someone was a certain Blabra Morgan. Oh, my God, Blabra. Krista McAuliffe's backup. 22 years later. And she went. She actually became a full-blown astronaut. She went back to teaching after the disaster, obviously feeling like, my God, that could have been me. Yeah. 12 years after McAuliffe's death, she started training to be a full-time astronaut. She flew on the Endeavour shuttle in 2007 and went to space for 12 days. Wow. Go Blabra. Go Blabra. I know. She did it. She's not so Borgen after all. (laughs) No. No. Been a bit rough. Oh, no, really? <laughs> nah, Blabra. See, it's a great ending for Blabra. Blabra. NASA stated that she wasn't a teacher that went into space, but rather a proper astronaut that used to be a teacher. Wow. Nice. So, so she's got the life experience. Because a lot of articles were coming out being like, finally a teacher goes to space, and they're like, no, no, she didn't just do five months of training. She mm. did years of training. But teachers did eventually go to space. In 2009, NASA's Educator Astronaut Project saw three t- teachers, again, normal people, go into orbit. Wow. Can you imagine sitting there? 
knowing what had happened to the no, last teacher, not. about to take off, you would oh, no. in nearly exactly the same shuttle. I would not do that. I at would. All. Well, well depends on what it is because I'd be like, in the a couple of years later, I'd be like, there's there'd be no safer time to go. They would be so anal about everything now. True. But then after two thousand and three, I'd be like, oh, okay. maybe they don't. Yeah, go. which was so when Blabra went. Mm. Both disasters had happened. Yeah, so you'd be like, oh, surely now after these two. <laughs> two incidents. Oh. I don't like flying. Uh, I love to fly. So I'm not going to space. I also don't, I'd love, I mean, when you see them in space, it looks so amazing, but I don't think I could overcome this fear. And, no. Because you have, because they sat, they sit there on the launch pad for two hours nah. before you go. I, like would need, a, I would need to pee. You've got a long time to think about it and a long time to Probably piss yourself. Yeah, several is there, times. There's is there anything about going to space and like changing changing you physically when you come back? Like you lose a lot of weight and those sort of things, right? Yeah, I think they compared our uh, two two NASA twins recently. One had been to space longer than the other one, and their genetic makeup had physically changed. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? Yeah, I think when they they said when you come back from space, you're taller for a while until because you're used to the gravity up there. Ah. but then very quickly. You compress back down, like your spine and everything expands when you're right. there's less gravity Weird. pulling you down. But then I think it's you know within a the day. The weight of so the world. Your back, yeah. The weight <laughs> of the, oh, blood! The bloody rat race. Yeah, and you said Earth is your favorite planet. <laughs> so stupid. Come on, Matt. <laughs> Changed my mind. The moon is now my favorite planet. <laughs> no rat race on the moon. I'm not a scientist. I should underline that. <laughs> you I'm have a- made that abundantly clear. <laughs> But that is the uh, very interesting but very tragic story of the Space wow. Shuttle Challenger disaster. Um, yeah, there's so so much so much in that. That was fascinating. I think that is really fascinating, like a, just a study of humans and how they deal with stress and yeah. pressure. And... and you think of NASA, you're like, well, they're the organisation that spend more time, you know, with safety and all that kind I, of stuff than anyone in the world. You would they'd be, yeah, not going, we need to make this happen yeah. tomorrow. Even People though, are watching. Point zero zero one percent chance you'd be, you think that they'd be like, nah, let's not risk it, because yep, like you say, it's ext- you know extremely dangerous for the people and also extremely expensive and also the people on the ground. If it had exploded on the, you know, on the launch pad, mm. it would have put a big hole in the in the earth. Yeah. Oh man. And then like you, I hadn't really considered that, but you're saying how Barbara. Um, uh, excuse me. Barbara. I'd like to call her Barbara, if I may. Ugh. Barbara Morgan. Barbara Morgan, yes. <laughs> Barbara Morgan. Thank you. Official, uh, no, a full astronaut, yeah. Uh, she, but, so she'd be thinking how that could have been me, but then it was a, a top ten, so there were eight others. Or everyone else on that list, I imagine. is Just be going, oh, my God. And they all did a bit of training, bit of a yeah. proper audition process. They must have all, like, I, who knows how you take that. You You could probably take it either way, but. Some would have been like, "Wow, I've really got a. I've been given a second chance," and yeah. others might have just been like, "It would ruin you." Mm. It'd be very hard not to think about that a lot. Mm. Barbara is very brave. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love Barbara. Me too. That's why I gave her a cool nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, uh, do you hate me? <laughs> no, no. In fact, I would say I love you, Jasper Perkins. Aww. You're one of the best in the biz. That's cute. Wow. Bit clingy. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, well, this, this report was very great as always. Very great. Very great. And I, I mean, uh, on the scale of greatness, 
very great as I think that's second co- highest. Code red. Yep. Mm. <laughs> code red. Just before code brown. Yeah, code brown. Which when I'm about really to shit myself. So bad. Oh, shit God. myself. It's so good. And then you got code red and brown, which is when you're shitting blood. <laughs> yeah. And you Go are see a hospital doctor. immediately. Call yeah. the police. Because mm. you're shitting blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a seg a segment on our show after the report that we we love to do. It's called fact, fact quote or question. That's right. And this uh, segment is of course brought to you by our and pretty much the whole show is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Basically, anyone at any time can become a Patreon supporter and support the show. If you think it's worth a buck or two or a few a month, uh, for example, I spent probably eight to ten hours writing that report. I watched a lot That's of stuff. Too many hours. There's Dave. lots of. If, I mean, if you're interested, I'll I'll put all the sources below. There was about 20, 20 of them all in total. Um, but you know, if you think the show is worth it and you listen every week, you can uh, you know keep the show going and also get rewards in exchange. For example, uh, two bonus episodes every single month. We release just. For our Patreon subscribers, you can uh, vote on topics. For example, this one was chosen by our Patreon people. And we also give you a shout out. And some people get to give a fact quote or question, Matt. Would you, you're going to find this funny, Jess, but I would, eight to ten hours would be low for me of how long it takes to write a report. <laughs> anyway. what are you? What, how many hours do you reckon you're putting in? I'd say, I'd say probably on average about 15. Oh, actually, yeah, now that I think about it. It's, but isn't it isn't it a bit sad that it, my reports <laughs> to get <laughs> what my report ends up being is fifteen hours, and he does that in eight to ten anyway. He is good. He is good. I'm just trying to say we love doing the show and we put a lot of time into it. Too much. Too much time. And then people say oh, it's just Wikipedia, and you just start crying. <laughs> yeah, no, that people do describe that sometimes as comedy Wikipedia or something. Yeah, like, oh god, that's so heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> I think what they mean is Wikipedia is like a, a resource that is people or whatever. And an encyclopedia comedy, I'd be happy with that. Fact, quote, or question? This week. Uh, it's actually our second because uh, there's only a limited amount of people, obviously, in the world and also um, <laughs> in this section of our Patreon. So we're um, <laughs> dipping back around to people for the second time around. This is Joe Smith's are second. These, these are also the same people that voted for this topic. So uh, I, I wonder if Joe voted. Mm. For the challenge disaster. He joded. He <laughs> he's... Okay, not my best. <laughs> no. <laughs> I disagree. So uh Joe got to give a fact quote or question, but he also gets to give himself a title. And uh some some people who have, have dipped in for their second fact quote or question have given uh remained with their original title. Joe has changed his up. Uh initially he was the most average American because of his name, Joe Smith. <laughs> But he has uh, changed it now to Vice President of Malarkey and Shenanigans. Oh. And in brackets, joded. in brackets, we all know Bop is the president of that division. <laughs> Jeez. He's, so he's your 2IC. You've got heaps of, pre- heaps of uh, portfolios. Yeah, look, snacks, I'm a pretty busy lady. Snacks and malarkey. Yeah, I can do it all. Uh, and he has chosen a question. And I probably should have <laughs> given you guys some warning about this. I legit thought you were going to say equestrian. <laughs> Yeah, he's given us the Olympic event. <laughs> uh, and his question is, if you all, so I guess this is to each of us, if you if you all could choose any person ever as a guest on the show, who would each of you choose? Any person. Any person. When okay. they say don't meet your heroes, though, don't they? They do say that. Yeah, that's tricky, isn't it? Because mm. mm. immediately I thought Paul Kelly. But then I thought, the oh, God. The Sydney Swans. 
captain of the nineties. Fuck you. You know that's not who I mean. Fuck you. Hmm. Oh, I just bought tickets to see Paul Kelly. I get to see him again. Anyway. Maybe you should tell Joe Smith, who might not be aware of how great Paul Kelly is, who Paul Kelly is. Paul Kelly is an Australian musical icon. And a gravy expert. He is a gravy expert. One of his iconic songs is called How to Make Gravy. My favourite musician ever. But I think I'd be too intimidated to talk to him. Like, I'd just be sitting here like, oh, I don't know, oh, I love you, you know? (laughs) Right. I mean, I, I already feel that with you guys, but I contain it. I think, I'm a good actor. I think he'd be great, Paul Kelly. I think that's a great one. I don't know. He's. I think he seems really funny. If he was coming and he wanted to be here. Oh, yeah, if he wanted to be here, yes. Well, just I reckon if you go for Paul Kelly wanting to be here. Yes. Then that's a great suggestion. Wonderful. Thank you. What about you, Davey D? <laughs> D for douche. <laughs> <laughs> Davey douche. <laughs> oh. Okay, Davy Duke, like Daisy Duke. Oh, that's, oh. Pre- that's actually pretty. Or D for W, Davy D. Davy Dubs. <laughs> anyway, just answer the fucking question. <laughs> I'd probably have like a pre. Oh, it'd be great to have a previous report topic. Yeah. And just be like, did I get it right? And then what? What would they be sitting in on? Oh, that's true. That's true. But if you can have anyone from history, I'd love to have someone like William Shakespeare or something. Oh yeah, I get, he hasn't said he hasn't said alive or dead. So, oh, true, true, you true. You did true. say anyone, right? Yeah. Uh, any person, yeah. Yeah. So it couldn't be a dog. Oh, damn it. Because I'd love to have that first chimp in space. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that came back intelligent. <laughs> no, I don't think we should do that. Another <laughs> <laughs> Simpsons reference for those. Oh, there's so many today. Yeah, too many? Maybe. Yes. Yeah, probably someone like William Shakespeare from history, I'd say, because it'd just be... I'd thank him for inventing my name. Right. I'd say, hi, I'm Jessica, and he'd go, ah, one of mine. Oh, yeah, it's one of mine. Um... I'd say, fun fact, Will, uh, they shorten it to Jess. Ah, very good. Bit more informal. Uh, (laughs) And once again... And he'd be like, no. Once again, thank you. It's an abomination. I like your little neck ruffle there. That's fun. Yeah. Ooh, can I touch it? You know? And then give him a little hair ruffle. Yeah. Like an F rack ruffle. He's a little hair ruffle, you have. Larrican now. Scallywag. Right on, right on, right on, right on. How about uh, you, Matt? I want to say, I'd, I think I I guess I would have to say um, Daryl Baldock. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing, a, guess. drawing a blank here. Yeah. Saints player. Yes. What, uh, 1966. Captain. Of, yeah. Uh, so, and I'd get him in to do a report on the on that um that fateful day. Because you'd want to just sort of close your eyes and just picture it. Daryl the Doc Bulldog. I, yeah. enjoy, I think I'd enjoy that, him yeah, that would be telling cool. how it was back then. One, cool. of, one of the um, heartbreaking facts, but one of the sort of iconic facts about that was that he, uh, the tradition back then was to swap Guernseys with the uh, opposition. Um, so he's holding up the Premiership Cup, the only time a Saints player ever held uh, up the Premiership Cup wearing a Collingwood jumper. Oh, no. Wow, I didn't know that. That's, that is awful. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I'd love to, uh, uh, yeah, I wonder if he, yeah, if he put any thought into that beyond. But mm. anyway, that's who I'd go. Another thing we like to do on the podcast as well for our Patreon listeners is give them a little 
bloody shout out at the end of the show. A little pat on the back. Pat on the back and a big old smooch on the cheek. Say, oh, thank you. And sometimes a little pat on the bum if we've had a couple of white wives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which we I was, haven't. I was saying the other day I was at work and I was like daggy dancing and I was like, look, I'm doing mum dancing. And then I was just being a mum like, oh, I've had a white wine. <laughs> I just kept hitting everybody with the back of my head like, stop it. Oh. Do you know any mums? I don't do any work. <laughs> that may shock you. I reckon my daggy dancing and my regular dancing are pretty similar. Very similar, yes. Mm. I was dancing is what I was oh, yeah. saying. <laughs> I was dancing and talking about being a mum. Ooh, I'm kooky. I'm going to be the best daggy mum ever. Not a very good parent. But a great daggy mum. Oh, I'm going to embarrass the shit out of those kids. Anyway. And we also we, we normally do a game as well. Yeah, what are we yeah. thinking? Uh, oh, no. Should, um, can we name their shuttles? Yes, great one, Dave. Challenger, Enterprise, yep, Atlantis. These buzzwords. Are the They're going to be buzzwords. All right, cool. So what are they What are they traveling on? Can I kick off Please uh, do. Please. by thanking from Hoffman Estates Ooh. in Illinois. Oh, wow. I believe. I-L in, yeah, a, in Illinois, the U.S. Yeah, Illinois, baby. This is, I think this is all-time great names. This is like, this would be top, right up the All top. right, hit us with it. Nathaniel Gingrich. Oh, shit, son. Oh, that is great. Yes. Holy moly. Gingrich. That is, that's a... I like that. That's a belt of a name. And that uh, Nathaniel would be travelling on the... Raptor. The Ooh. Raptor. I like it. Well, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? The Space Shuttle Raptor. Yeah. yeah. Like Even though the Raptors are a Canadian... Team from Vancouver. Not far from Chicago. Not too far well, away. Illinois, I should say. Sorry. Very close. I'm not sure where Hoffman Estates is exactly, but it's not far. From well Jurassic done. Park. From the top of Illinois. Uh, and I'd also thank you, Nathaniel Gingrich. Oh, the captain of the Raptor. So good. Oh, captain as well. Wow. Oh, yeah, Captain please. Gingrich reporting for duty. Oh, that sounds good. Captain Holy Gingrich. Holy shit, yes. Sounds really good. I, be- I believe him. <laughs> this, I mean... It's another great name, but this city name is so good. Christopher <laughs> M. McAuliffe. Very good. Which is the same name as Krista McAuliffe. That's exactly the same spelling. Christopher McAuliffe. No, Krista McAuliffe, the, really? the teacher that was on board and the challenge. And this Challenger. is Christopher. Oh! <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, if it, uh, if uh, she's a relative of yours, holy moly. Yeah. It's a, uh, a hero's... Hero's relative here from Snohomish in Washington. Christopher oh, but could, M. Could McAuliffe. Washington be the shuttle name? Oh, oh like George. What about George? Yeah, that's <laughs> George. better. Sorry, George. Space shuttle George. Yeah, George. better than Washington. Hey, hey there, Georgie boy, flying, flying through, through the, the sky, sky so fancy free. free. Another Simpsons. Oh, hey there, blimpy, blimpy boy. <laughs> but also the Seekers, a wonderful Australian band. Amazing that they got referenced on The Simpsons. Started in Was Geelong. that their original song? I think, mm. Amazing. Christopher M. McAuliffe. Wow, thank Sorry you. Sorry for calling him McAuliffe. Just looking up Snow Homish, not very far from Seattle, which we hope to get to one day, and the Patreon is powering us closer and closer. Yeah, so. we want to get some of those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. <laughs> well, maybe I hear the call <laughs> in. Dave, would you like to thank some people? 
All right. I would like to thank very, very much. Now, this is more of a, a company, a collective than, a, than a, an individual. Than an individual, but a team effort. I would like to thank from, am I saying this right? Eliminate. I've in, n- never heard of that. In Victoria, <laughs> right here in Australia. I'm sorry. Big supporters of comedy in Victoria from OCR FM uh, community radio station, LOL Radio. LOL Radio. I, out of Colac. So I'm wondering if Eliminate is a Colac suburb potentially. Ah, That's um, that Is sense. that Joff? That is Joff. Joff. Yeah. Joff. Appreciate and, all your support. And too. Tyson. Yes. Oh, yes. Very, thank you very much. So maybe that's uh, uh, Lowell Radio together support, supporting uh, Melbourne and Victorian comedy. So thank you very much. Now, Thanks, Lowell guys. Radio, those dudes, what shuttle are they flying on? Laughter. Oh. <laughs> humour? Chuckle? Humor? Chuckle. God, you are on fire today. The space yes. shuttle chuckle. The chuckle oh, hut. I love it. <laughs> the chuckle hut. I love it. It's got tiki torches for some reason. Oh, legend. No bad ideas. <laughs> well, that could be it. A... No bad ideas. Okay. <laughs> They're not lit. Just yeah, okay. Fake. Okay. They got like sure. cellophane in them, so it oh, looks like fire. I like that a lot. Yeah, now you're on board. Oh, that is that is awesome. Thanks so much to Lowell Radio. That's and you can great. check out uh, Lowell Radio's interviews with comedians. Each week they play two hours of comedy songs, sketch and stand up from five to seven on OCRFM, the community radio station. It's also um, you can download it on Wooshka. The podcast of it. So Wooshka. support the dudes at LOL Radio. Like they support us. Thank you very much. At, at some point I was uh, the record holder for most interviewed. Oh, well oh done. legend. I don't know if I still hold that record. And that counted because uh it dropped out mid interview one time, so that counted as two. Nice. Yes. I did it. Well they had to dial you back up. Yeah. Matt, you still there? After the song, that's a fresh that's, IV. That starts again, baby. Do you have to start you know? They had yeah. a planned interview. Start again. Yeah, anyway, Matt, we've already asked, um, but um, how'd you get into comedy? <laughs> I know we covered this. Um... <laughs> I'll take this one. <laughs> I'd also like to thank from Launceston in Tasmania. Tassie. No, I definitely recognise this name, so maybe we get a bit of a correspondence from Hannah Scollard. Hannah Scollard from Lonnie. Great. Oh! I've got it. What is it? The shuttle. It's called Scholar. The Space ah. Shuttle Scholar, or mm. like that. Yeah. You know, because it's all about discovery and learning Yeah, that, shit. they'd actually go with something like that, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't they? The Scholar. Scholar's great. I was thinking, I was thinking Flying Apple because of Tassie, but that's Mine's better. much better. <laughs> yep. The I Flying think... Apple. <laughs> Picture it. Someone's just thrown an apple through the sky. Huh? Huh? Have they thrown it or have they piffed it? Piffed it. <laughs> yeah, you don't throw an apple, you piff yeah, an piff apple. piff an apple. Come on, mate. A, a big shout out and thank you to all of our Tassie listeners. We do hope to get there one day. I did notice after we announced the UK tour, someone tagged their friend and said, like, lol, they fly to the other side of the world before <laughs> they come to Tasmania. Oh, sorry, Tassie. If you would like I, us to I come was, down. I was in Tassie. Matt was there very recently. But if you'd like us to come down, basically, we look at where the downloads are coming from and then we go to those places. So oh, yeah. if you're from a smaller place overseas or from Tasmania, Adelaide Spread or Perth, for example, get some friends to download the show. We see a spike and we go, there's people there. We're going to go. Mm. Totally. Yeah. We are total. Uh, we're like we're like moths sheep. to the flame. Yeah, exactly. We're like sheep to the flame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mm, lamb. <laughs> so uh, a lot um, of pressure there, Hannah, but please organise your island of people to listen to our podcast. heaps of you, Hannah. And if you are, if you're looking for comedy in Launceston, there's a monthly room there called Fresh Comedy, which is so good. They get bigger sacks in Australia down there. So go there. And get some lols. And tell them to bring us down. 
Um, can I thank some people? Please do, Jess. Thank you. Bring us home. I would like to thank from Riverstone, New South Wales, just north of where we are, quite a bit north, Blake Fishburn. Oh. Blake's a great name. Fishburn is great. great. Yeah. Well, how about the Morpheus? Yeah. Yeah. Lawrence Lawrence Fishburn. Fishburn. Yes, very good. Great actor. I mean, Morpheus, the space shuttle Morpheus sounds pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Or the red pill. I'm going to go with Morpheus. (laughs) Thank you. Morpheus totally sounds like a spaceship name. The space shuttle Red Pill. <laughs> no, no, the space Brought shuttle. To you by. The space shuttle the Red Pill. <laughs> I love it. Which one's the good one? Which one's the bad one? And which one's the MRA one? <laughs> I, I don't know. I cannot remember. So thank you very much, Blake. Thanks, Blake. Uh, and can I also thank from Langringe? What's G A? Georgia. Day? Georgia. I think it is Georgia. Is it in the US of A? US of A, yes, that's correct. Got Georgia on my G-A. mind. It's Georgia. Georgia, well done. I'd like to thank Rory Hicks. Oh, that is it. I love the name Rory. That's a badass that name. That's great. All, every name again tonight. Yeah, killing it. All killer. Absolutely. Rory Hicks. Rory Hicks. Boson. The Boson Blues. Oh, the Boson. Bo- the Space Shuttle Boson Blues. Ooh, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's a, wow. That, that's close. Nice. Higgs Boson Blues is a Nick Cave song. Oh, right. I thought you were. Which is, you know, the Higgs Boson, but yeah. The, the Boson Blues, take the Boson Blues pill. <laughs> Space Shuttle Boson Blues pill. I mean, I know I said no bad ideas, but oof. Yeah, let's give him something better than that. I think they're, they're the 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 um the, the boson Higgs, the, boson. the space shuttle boson because that's a scientific word so yeah, they'd probably bloody love that yeah but it was all about accelerating things into each other yeah they probably wouldn't like that Let's... well I mean we accelerate it into the sky what yeah, about right. what about the bad seed Nick. I don't know if they'd call anything bad the good seed good seed space shuttle good seed Godspeed 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 Nicholas Cage <laughs> slash <laughs> Nick Cave. <laughs> It's all come back together. together. Godspeed was his character. It uh, was Nicholas Cage's character's name in, in the Rock. In the Rock. <gasps> the Rock. The Rock. There we go. Call the, it the Rock. Space Shuttle. The Rock. Yeah, the Rock. He's got a picture of Dwayne the Rock and, Johnson yeah. on the side, and his um the people's elbow. <gasps> the people's elbow. Oh my God! Stop. <laughs> Let's call it the people's elbow. Oh. <laughs> just the man, and it's in the shape of Dwayne Johnson's elbow, just flying <laughs> through the sky, <laughs> and it lands down like, on like Sean. Shawn Michaels' head or something? <laughs> Nothing could possibly go wrong this time. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll enjoy that, Rory. Rory Hicks, thank, and thanks to everyone that supports the show at Patreon. You can do so at any time, patreon.com slash pod. Or you can get in contact with us. All the links are on our website, including tickets to shows and all the like. Dogoonpod.com is that place. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're at Dogoonpod. And YouTube, we're at... Uh, Talking about putting up some more content up there, including recently we d- released another live episode from the uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival that we yes. filmed. So there's at least four videoed live episodes up there now, going back to the uh, uh, the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, um, with Nick Mason, that one. And then also episodes mm. from this year as well. So Check, check out our faces. Yes, check those out. And, um, yeah, we, we are looking to maybe 
um, add some more video stuff. Potentially during our UK tour, we'll upload some sort of tour diaries there. So. And lots of people say there's comments along the lines of, oh, it's weird to see their face. <laughs> and that could be you. <laughs> that could be you. Oh, yeah. We posted a video a few weeks ago of some stand-up that I did on TV and a lot of people were like, oh, it's strange. <laughs> I'm assuming they meant seeing me in person and not. The content. The material. Oh, God, that was some weird material. God, that's odd. Strange there was, take. There was a lot of very positive feedback there too, Bob. People should check that out. If you follow us on social media, you'll be able to see that too. Um, there's also a podcast out uh, from the people to bring you do go on called Primates, and it's a podcast. A podcast no, about... No, I think it's a podcast. <laughs> pop, it's a podcast about primates and popular culture. And uh, we, uh, Jess and, and Dave have been on a few episodes each. I've been on every single episode so far. Sorry to brag. It's uh, the same on this show, mate. It is true. I'm a real hog. Uh, <laughs> Get off the mark. It's, but it's. I reckon it's big. It's funnier every week. It's such a fun show. Um, it sounds so dumb, but it is. I think it's a really good show. So if you're if you're have been hesitant. Maybe just give it a body. Yeah, try. the number one feedback is I didn't think this would be good, but it's very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why didn't that? As soon as I heard the idea, I was like, yes, genius. <laughs> I love a niche podcast. Yeah. Like, I love an, an oddly specific theme. I yeah. love that. Very good. It's, it is a lot of fun. And we've gone through a bunch of stuff. Jess has been on an episode about uh, George in the Jungle, uh, and also an episode about the Marvel character. Hit monkey. Yeah. David has been on an episode <laughs> about The Simpsons and their musical version of The Planet of the, Planet Apes. Of the Apes. And also an episode about Congo. Cong- yeah, we had mo- both forgotten. <laughs> and it was the most recent episode we've recorded. That was. And so much fun. I've just been listening back to it. Bloody hell, it's funny. I'd say don't watch the movie. Just listen to the episode because the episode was more fun than the movie, yes. which was terrible. <laughs> the movie was a tough watch. Right. <laughs> And actually, that'll be the episode that's um, most recently gone out. So, yeah, so much fun. Check it out. I have very fond memories of that of that afternoon. It was good fun. It was a whole lot of fun up in Sydney. And cuties hanging out. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to sign off for another week. But, yeah, check out all our stuff online. Drop us a line, dogoonpod at gmail.com. Or suggest a topic. That's another thing you can do at dogoonpod.com. There's a little tab. You click there. You tell us why it's great. We look into it and then we make it an episode. That's how the cycle of life goes. Hakuna Matata. You say Hakuna Matata, I say Hakuna Matata. <laughs> time to go. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week with another fresh episode. But until then, I'll say thank you and goodbye. Later. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> oh. I guess I'm tired. <laughs> Simon Badminton Connell. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 